the Dropkick Murphys. When are you going to do a podcast on the Dropkick Murphys? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and wait till the uh, second Joelia comes out, and then maybe they'll be somewhere on the list there. Have you ever even heard of the Dropkick Murphys? Yes. Uh, uh, oh, if, you have. When it comes to Irish rock, I'm, yes. more, I'm, I'm more of a flogging Molly guy myself. Yeah. But I haven't dug into the Dropkick Murphys. I'm sure they're great. Um, but I, I I like flogging Molly, so I'd probably like them. Do you know the tradition of no, nay, never? We just heard no, nay, never, and the Mariners, and the Mitch thing, yeah. and the Slick thing. Do you even know that, or were you kind of too busy with... with uh, Mr. T. <laughs> That's right. Yes. It was just a B.A. Baracus. Yes. Um, I didn't know it then, but you've since explained it, okay. so I know All it, right. yes. Well, you got to start episode 190, even though this isn't the real start of it. Right. You got to start episode 198 Woo. with Mariner highlights and, and no nay never, don't you? Of course, yes. If the season ended today, <laughs> Hotshot. But it doesn't. Mr. Ple- no, it's not but it doesn't. Get with the program. What, really? If the season ended today, which it doesn't. Which it doesn't. And yes. it's stupid to, to even, even talk, talk about. about yes. The Mariners would be tied with the Blue Jays for the wa- final wild card spot in the American League. Ooh. But did you know? No. Nope. Which I didn't until a listener helped me out with this. Okay. On Twitter. Oh. Major League Baseball changed the rule Back on April or in April of this year, you know, baseball always was like, we don't do tiebreakers. We do one game playoffs. This team play A plays B, B plays C, you know that? Yeah. For years and years, they've been playing these play-in games yes. just to get into the wild card, just to kind of play another play-in game. Right. Well, they changed all that back in April. They have instituted Mr. Playoffs okay. tiebreakers for the first time in uh-huh. Major League. And if the season ended today, the first tiebreaker between Toronto and the Seattle Mariners would be as you'd expect. Yeah, who's got the best colors? No. No. Best fans? No. Best hot dog prices? No. Head to head? Yes. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, are they up in that one? Well, after a four-game sweep. <laughs> They're up? Yes. Okay, yes, good. I think they've now won six out of seven. So <laughs> if the season ended today, Hot Shot, I'll have you know, Mr. Playoffs. Oh, geez. Your Seattle Mariners, who like three weeks ago, I was firing everybody yep. and I was throwing my hands up. And by the way, I wasn't the only one. I'm happy to admit to it, confess to it, yeah. say I've been I've been begging them to have me back. And just know you were like you were not alone. No, they had just lost four out of five to the Angels. Yeah. And the whole Mariner world was like, we're done with this yeah. team. Nobody's going to ever watch another game for the remainder of the year. Mm-hmm. Including a doubleheader that seemed to just break 16, everyone's will. 16 and three. Yeah. Since then. <laughs> 16 and three. So and they've gone literally from like seventh team below the wild card to the wild card in three weeks. And so you're the guy standing in the driveway with the radio over your head playing <laughs> Peter Gabriel, begging the Mariners to take you back. Is that what you're doing? I should sing. <laughs> I should in sing. In your eyes, the light, the heat, your eyes is incomplete. That's right. You're Cusack. All That's right. right. It. Congratulations to Julio. Yes. Julio Rodriguez has been named to the American League All-Star team. Amazing. Incredible. His season, his magical first rookie season continues. So a lot of good stuff. I guess we'll come back to that. Well, this was kind of segment one. <laughs> now I don't know what I'm going to do in segment one. <laughs> right I just on. did segment one. Going home early. Yeah, I guess It's so. been fun, though. Boy, it's been fun. Oh my God, they are just red hot. I mean, no Mitch Haniger. No Kyle Lewis. Right. No Jared Kelnick to speak of. Nobody. Down 5-4. Ty, Ty France hasn't even played in the... Well, he just now started yeah. playing again, but he hasn't played the majority of the 19 games. 
They've had nobody except for somebody. Except, yes. Except, except for a couple people. We'll talk about it in the first segment, though. Don't it's get already done. It's already oh, done. Oh, it is. Okay, yeah. see you later. I just did the first segment. I'm going home early. Last major championship pool is now up and available. Hmm. Can I tell you that? We do the pools for the major championships. This week is British Open week, or we call it now the, the Open, Open Championship. championship you yeah. don't call it the British Open anymore. Same rules as all the other pools. I hope everybody will play and yeah. have fun. You win. It doesn't cost anything to play. You win 500 bucks if you win the thing. You pick any. It's very simple. You go to MitchUnfiltered.com. Click on the link. You pick any five players in the British Open field. Any five players, mm-hmm. they all must make the cut. Right. All right? Yep. $500 to the winner. Great. Top 20 will receive prizes. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com. It's the last of our major championship pools, and they are all brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. John Waterstrat has been amazing. Tom Henderson, amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sponsoring our um, our pools, the the beat the boys during the football season, and then the four major championship pools. Fireside Home Solutions, the best place for a brand new fireplace. And okay. The, sorry, what was the prize again? You say five hundred? Five hundred bucks for the winner. Yeah, that's a good top prize. 20. Well, I think so. Top twenty, top twenty finishers all get prizes. Awesome. Cost nothing to play. Just fit, pick five guys. And by the way, don't forget, you you probably remember this from your golf pool days. Yes. That picks need to be in earlier than oh. normal for the British oh, Open. That was always a thing, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> always a thing. Remember when you used to have to call it in? Yes. On the voice? On my voicemail. Yeah, your voicemail. What do you mean yeah. do I remember? So it's all time stamped. I'd, I'd go on Thursday after the show and I'd sit by the voicemail. And <laughs> <laughs> I used to get up for the show early on Thursdays. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> and British, well, that was always big money, too. It was like double money. Yeah. Oh, it was awful. And the British yeah. Open starts yeah, sure. Seattle time like... Wednesday night at 11.30. Yeah, I'm waking up at like 4 a.m. in Vegas to watch Ernie Els because I'm so <laughs> dialed into this dumb golf league. Like, God damn, what's wrong with my Five life? players, <laughs> the British Open pool, MitchUnfiltered.com. Yes. Okay. Um, oh, Mitch, Unf- Mitch Unfiltered is available on all major podcast platforms. It is. We really need you to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you listen on that platform, it really helps us with booking guests, the PR people, they go to our webpage. They want to see what says rating, how many yeah. people have rated it. It really helps us get guests. So if you like it when we have guests, except if they're praying football coaches, um, please listened. go to that. Yes, go ahead. Please go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review us. You can become a Mitch Unfiltered patron for as little as $5 a month. Uh, have access to all the bonus shows. Like Danny O'Neill, Slickhawk, and music entries. Yes, yes, the big library, yes. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com, mm-hmm. and you can find out how to become a patron to get extra shows during the week. And by the way, now with the Mariners surging, those extra shows. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, That's yeah, right. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, this is the time, if you follow the flow, where I would normally say you can always write me if you can't afford the $5 a month. Mm-hmm. You can always write me at MitchUnfiltered.com and I'll do something for you because the whole point of it is not to have people not be able to be a patron if they can't afford the $5 a month. Yeah. I also normally say at this stage of the show, here's a few people that have written to us at Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com the past week. Okay. I have made an executive decision, Scott. Yeah. There will be no emails read on this episode 198. Did you have a polarizing fella on or something? Is that what happened? A lot of feedback. I can honestly say that I received more emails in the hundreds. Oh, wow. Than any other topic, any other segment 
outside of one. One other segment, one other show got way more emails, 10 times emails than even this one. Did. Was it that dipshit from Kansas City, that fan? No, it was Mitch Unfiltered episode number one. Oh, yeah, okay, makes sense. Maybe that doesn't count. But that fan from Kansas City seemed to piss a lot of people off, too. Remember him? But not like this. Okay, this is a different thing, yeah. Well, the emails weren't just pissed off people. They were everything from, yeah, way to have him on. It's a mountain out of, people are making a mountain out of a molehill. He did nothing wrong to, why'd you give that stooge a platform? I can't stand that guy to, I won't listen to it, yada, yada, yada. Except for... Episode one, where I go over my life and missteps. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) No pun intended. Can you turn email off? (laughs) I'd be nice, right? Man, I got a lot of a lot of feedback. I had listeners reaching out to me. A lot of feedback. Friends reaching out. Listeners. Because that segment, I guess you just can't be kind of apathetic. You can't be lukewarm. You can't be down the middle of that segment. You sure can't. It either it it, it draws a reaction one way or the other. Although I did get a lot of people who emailed me and said, I'm going to tell you the truth. I decided not to listen to it. Mm. I heard you guys talk about who was coming on and I just didn't want to go there. I skipped over to Rhonda Smith. I skipped over to to Rick Neuheisel, whatever. What did you think of the praying coach? Oh, really? Do you want to? Are we doing this in the team? No, you don't have. Yeah. This is when we do it. What do you... I found him... Uh, we could do it in segment one because I got nothing left for segment one. Right. <laughs> I did the Mariners. I know. It. We're done. No, actually, I have something that happened to me on Saturday oh, for good. segment one. Yeah. No, not so good. Oh, it's not. I don't think it is. All right. Well, we'll find I'm out. Having, I'm having a lot of guilt, but go ahead. I found him and his lawyer to be a little out of touch, insincere, insensitive, and a bit arrogant, if I'm being honest. Really? Yeah. And, and Is it be- because you're on that the other side of the fence on this, or is it because... You- you, in an impartial way, you found them insensitive. You found them. Well, I found him out of touch because not everyone believes what he does. And it felt like no matter what you were going to say, he couldn't. There's no scenario where he can't understand that somebody may not believe what he does. Really? That, that's how I took it. Huh. Now, people are probably going to email me and be pissed off at me. But that's how I felt. The, the instant, I felt he was insincere because our, remember our producer sent us a text about the way he looks. I didn't even know what he looked like. So I went and tried to look, tried to find out what he looked like. And there seemed to be a. A lot of pictures of him praying, like posing for prayers. He was. He did photo shoots on his knee. Right. So this feels a little insincere when he says that he's just something private that he likes to do. Eh, I found a few. Anyway, so that sort of bothered me. The insensitive part where he says, oh, people feel comfortable all the time. Oh, what do you get? Yeah. I found that to be a shit answer. That was the worst moment, I think, of his interview. Yeah. I think. Yeah. When he said, hey, that's their problem. Kind of, that's their problem. People feel uncomfortable all the time. Hey, it's life. Oh, what are you going to do? So if I punch someone in the face, I just go, ah, people feel uncomfortable all the time. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of a shit answer. And he maybe he wants to take it back. Did you listens. like the attorney butting in or did not like the attorney butting in? I found him almost, yeah, more arrogant than... Really? Yeah, I, I, I didn't like it. I mean, he, the coach seemed like he could handle himself, but he didn't need help. I didn't know why the lawyer felt the need I to tried, jump in there. I tried... Look, Steve booked the interview. Producer Steve booked the interview. Yeah. The guy who talked about the looks of the coach. He, he booked the interview. He did not tell me. Now, I don't know. Maybe he didn't know. Mm-hmm. No one ever told me that when I sent the Zoom that I was sending the link to multiple people. Actually, I knew I was sending it to multiple people. I didn't know that a, an attorney was going to be on. And so, like, before we started to record, I was like, are you on just to observe? No, 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 I'm on. He does no interviews without his attorney being present. All right. So I had to make a split-second decision at that moment. Yeah. Am I canning the interview? Yeah, you can't can it at and that then, point. What went through my mind is, well, I have the power at the end of the at the end of the interview, I could just edit out the the attorney. Yeah, you don't want to do that either. 
I think you made the right move. Okay. You can't edit out a lawyer. He was a little, I, I, I don't know. What did he add? He said, he said, the reason that I need to be here, Mitch, is because there might be legalese questions that he's not allowed to answer that I need to answer. Uh, and yeah, I was maybe. like, and I was like, I'm not smart enough to ask any legalese questions, so you don't have to be here. <laughs> but he hung around anyway, didn't yeah. he? I don't know. I just, I just hope that a Bremerton High student goes to school with a Hail Satan shirt on, and we'll, we'll see how open-minded they are to a religious expression. I just kind of snickered at the whole thing. Really? Yeah. Should I not have done it? No, no, for sure. I, I mean, I think he deserves to be heard. It's a big national story, and he's local, and clearly people listened and had a reaction. And My father-in-law in D.C. Yeah. said that he had a friend who saw the interview referenced on Facebook. Hmm. And that friend talked to my father-in-law who yeah. talked to my wife and it got back to me. So it's, it's spread like wildfire yeah. anyway. How about, the, here's the problem with the interview. The interview was so kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Emotional from the standpoint of listeners. Okay. That Rhonda Smith Boncaro. Yeah. Kind of got lost in the shuffle. It's, yeah, it's too bad, actually. Yeah, she should have. We should have probably held her interview to another episode and made it the number one. I thought she was amazing. Big fan. I, it was like one of the probably five most fun interviews that I feel like I've done since I started this. Pod. I thought she was great. Awesome. I thought her stories are great about him as a kid. I thought her answer, her thoughtful answer about him not going to, to Washington. Yeah, I was prepared and the, for a and, bullshit answer. And the feedback that she got <laughs> yeah. and the nastiness from people that they got. Yeah. I mean, I just thought her 25 minutes were gold. Right. And yet very few pieces of reaction to that almost as if people heard the praying coach and like turned off the podcast and didn't make it to Rhonda Smith and then there was new eyes on the Pac-12 changes right, I mean story. I just feel like <laughs> the other parts of the podcast got lost in the shuffle I don't maybe, know. maybe maybe if wrong. if you're light some some episode you can just rerun her because it's well we're gonna relevant. do a, we're gonna do a best of okay good in the summer but it's kind of very recent we normally go way back for best of, I don't know maybe not yeah I think you should she would, again. well if you're listening right now and you didn't listen to Rhonda Smith Bencaro, the mother, the great Washington women's basketball player who also is the mom of Paulo, number one pick in the draft out of O'Day High School. Yep. Didn't go to Washington, went to play for Duke, Coach K's final year. She talks about the tough love, the the yeah. car rides home from Rotary games. Yeah, oh, Rotary's a tough league too, if you know anything she, about that world. There was no like, <laughs> there was no sweetness at no, home. There was no baby. He in. was getting made, a lot of that outside. So we decided in the home, it was tough love when it came to sports. I I, I think people will enjoy that interview. It was great. And right. them sitting in the, the, the nosebleeds. I at was like, uh, the North Carolina Syracuse game. Right, by yes. the way, we were, I yeah. was like, Boy, has he come a long way in five years. You don't need no nosebleeds she anymore. She ain't sitting in any more nosebleeds. <laughs> no, those nosebleed days are over in a, a short five years. By the and way, he's only going to buy her tennis shoes? Again, what 18-year-old can wrap their mind around the kind of money they're going to have, right? He can't even... Tennis shoes? That's a big purchase, you know. But he, he doesn't know the money he has. You can't wrap your head around it, right? I think he can. You think so? Oh, I think I think he can. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, Coach Kennedy came on, he gave his time, and I feel bad calling him arrogant. I'm just being honest. I appreciate him being a guest on the show. Oh, look at you taking a step back now, feeling bad about what you just said. No, I don't feel bad about what You're I kind said, of but he was a guest, so it feels, feels kind of shitty to crap on a guest who gave well, the time did. to the show. Oh, okay. You know, I'm just telling you how I felt. You asked, and that's how I, I asked. Felt. Yep. Yeah. You want to play Stump the Band before we uh, start the show for real? I do, and I, I have, have two one, of them. I have one for you, so let's get going. You probably know the one. I, you've probably seen the one that I saw. 
I don't know, it's probably an old one, but anyway, I thought I'd I thought I'd spring it on you. I try to do stump the band questions on Mitch Unfiltered that have a significance to a recent story. Yeah, I don't know why this one popped up. I have okay. no clue why. Well, I saw this it. has a well, maybe it's the same one. This has significance to a recent story. If I told you that Michael Jordan scored more points in the first 80 games of his NBA career than anybody in the history of the NBA, you'd believe me, right? Yes. It's true. Okay. And if I told you that David Robinson out of the Naval Academy Familiar. scored the third most amount of points in his first 80 games, yeah. you'd probably believe me as well, right? Yes. Which, it's true. Okay. But there's a guy in between them. Oh, boy. In fact, Michael Jordan scored over 2,000 points in his first 80 games. Robinson did not on the number three spot. The guy who is second in this record also scored. So only two people in the history of the NBA hotshot have ever scored 2,000 or more points in their first 80 games of their NBA careers. Michael Jordan is one. Yes. Who's the other? This is where you lose me because it's somebody who plays in the NBA now, a league I broke up with in 2008. <laughs> so I'm just going to say John Morant. Is that how you say his name? No? It's not him. There's no, you're giving me that dumb look. I know that look. <laughs> well, I'll give you a hint. Okay. He just agreed this week to a five-year, $193 million extension, which is about $40 million a year. Okay. And he doesn't play very much. In fact, I was kind of surprised... That he's even played 80 games. He's always hurt. He's never oh, played. Oh, I see. He, he's, but he's not a rookie, obviously. No, not anymore. Yeah. He once was. He once was, yes. His name is Zion Williamson. I can't believe it. The blown-out shoe what at Duke. What happened to him? He's still around? Still around? <laughs> I know. But you never he's see a the guy. I see pictures of him. He looks like he's 400 pounds. Like He I, scored... I, I, I can't even believe he scored the second most amount of points in his first 80 NBAs. I was like, has he played any 80? I don't think he's played eight NBA I know. games. He's it's played more than 80. Crazy. And he got his con and he, he doesn't play and he got his contract extension. There you go. Is he healthy? I mean, is he like Yeah, I think he's getting healthier, but he is he is Zoftic. Rumors about him being Zoftig and pictures <laughs> Zoftic. of him. Like Zoftig. I need Rumors, <laughs> I mean, it's like I just kind of was thinking maybe he's gonna kinda I don't wanna say you know, flame out of the NBA, but it felt like he was going on kind of a bad path. And they extended him. I guess you have well, to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He scored. Look at how many points he scored. Crazy. I guess. I didn't yeah. even realize he had this kind of great start to his end I, because I never see him on, on the floor. Was that the COVID year where they were I playing in the bubble maybe? Yeah, maybe. And maybe that's why we don't remember don't it that well. I don't know. Yeah, interesting. All right. I hope he comes back because I was. your stump the band question. Did I have a second one that also involves a local, not a local, but a, a recent Storyline. It's more, it's more of a fun one. Do you want that one now, or do you want to ask me? Why don't you ask me yours first? I think you'll get this one. Okay, I'll try. The only player and former Mariner to play in the Little League World Series. Oh. The College World Series. Yes. The MLB World Series, the Olympics, and the World Baseball Classic. The former well, Mariner. Let me, let me first say that my guess is, is that he didn't play in the World Series as a Mariner. <laughs> is that your... <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have given you that clue first. <laughs> what was I thinking? Yes. Oh, geez. I, I, it doesn't ring a bell. Georgia Literally. Tech is where he played. Jason Veritek. There you go. Ja the Ramblin' Wreck of Georgia. Jason Veritek. I don't know why that popped up. I saw that on Twitter. So I was like, God, that's pretty cool. He played in all five of those. 
And then, yeah, but the Mariners had him for a while. And I don't know. I don't know what they who they trade him for. Do you remember? Uh, a water bottle? Derek Lowe, maybe? Oh, was it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I just think... remember him being on Boston and winning no, World Maybe Series. they traded him with Derek Lowe. I can't even remember. Yeah, I don't know either. Was it a closer, maybe? Yeah, Heathcliff Slocum, maybe? Was that it? No, no. He, he didn't come from... Heathcliff Slocum come from Boston? He come from Philly? Mike Tomlin? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. Probably could find a way to look it I'm, up. I'm but. old. I'm old. <laughs> Same here. Okay, my second Stump the Band question. I can't believe we're still in the T-section. Oh, yeah, that's right. My second Stump the Band... Se- well, we don't have much of a segment one. Sure. Uh, my Stump the Band's second question is really more of a fun fun than it is a Stump the Band question. Okay. I'm going to give you the quotes. I want you to play the game. Name the married couple that celebrated their wedding anniversary all over social media this past oh, week. Oh, jeez. Okay. What do you say? Misty, it's what Misty. She's in love with me. I'm, I know she I'm is. ignoring her and I'm Sad. feeling terrible about it. This couple celebrated its wedding anniversary. I'm, a sh- I'm, I'm certain privately as well, but okay. boy, did they celebrate it all over social media oh. so the rest of us could celebrate with them. And this is the way they did so. I'm going to tell you what he posted. Then I'm going to tell you what she posted, and you're going to tell me who the married couple are. Great. Or is. Okay. He posted, I walked into the room for the very first time. Oh, insert, insert very dramatic love music. And I was speechless. Not because I didn't have the words to say, but because God answered my prayers. My prayers of finding someone with love, joy, peace, a vision, a desire to impact the world and a passion for raising a family together, and that was you. Okay, I tuned out for a lot of that, but I think I got it. Go ahead. She responded all over social media. Yes. It's the best feeling in the world waking up to you every day. (laughs) I'm a better woman because of it and because of you. There's absolutely nothing I wouldn't do for you. Happy anniversary, mi amore, my best friend. I love you so much. God is good. Year six, forever to go. If it's not Russell, <laughs> it's, I don't know who. I have no clue who it is. I don't know anyone else who's in that much love six years into their marriage. <laughs> she just dropped a new single too, didn't she? I think she I just dropped know. a new single in like the what same I, week. What, what do I know? Yeah, <laughs> asking you for it. Sorry. What a week for them. Oh, Unreal. Isn't it nice that they included all of us on their love Love letters to each other. Yeah. I'm so happy to be a part of it. Yeah, it's nice. I think I, I've posted once on social media about our anniversary. I was like, no one cares. Right? I mean, it's just well, keep it to yourself. Right? I think before everybody just starts, oh, here goes Mitch again yeah. on Russell Wilson. I don't think that it's necessary. Hey, like a tweet that says, married to my best friend for 15 years today. Happy anniversary, yeah. hon. That, that to me is lovely and nice. Okay. Love letters, <laughs> the, yeah. Instagram posts Walked with long, room, with long yeah, paragraphs yeah. and doves flying above and harps. I mean, do we need, I mean, it's almost it's, at it, some point, can't you just do that privately? To, by the way, did he say that to her? I hope he said it to her privately too, not just on Twitter. Not just Mitch and Scott, <laughs> right? I mean, hopefully she saw it as well and, or heard it in, in person. Oh, God. I don't know. Deep down, we're just jealous. That's all it is. Yes, we are. <laughs> we're just jealous. Jealous sons of bitches. I know. Guests on this episode 198, Steve Phillips, former Mets GM, baseball right. voice of the incredible, uh, uh, I should say baseball voice of uh, Sirius and XM on this incredible Mariner surge. 
Thomas Schwartz is a Vanderbilt professor who specializes in foreign relations. Now, he's interesting because he's also guests on this episode 198. Uh, Steve Phillips, former Mets GM, baseball voice on this incredible Mariner surge. You're going to love that. He has lots to say about both the Mariners, Julio, Logan Gilbert, just the whole thing, what Jerry DePoto should do at the deadline now that they're back in it, yada, yada, yada. Thomas Schwartz. Now, Thomas Schwartz is a Vanderbilt professor who specializes in foreign relations, and he's the author of a Henry Kissinger biography. We invited him on to get the behind the scenes. What's going on trying to get Brittany Griner out of Russia? Great. And I think you're going to find this interview very interesting. It's it's almost an uncomfortable interview with Thomas Schwartz because I kind of felt like midway in, we're talking about a trade, like a fantasy football trade. He was like, oh, who are we trading? Yeah. Who we, if we take this guy and send him back to Russia, he's done a lot worse than what Brittany Griner did. We, we need another pro- – I mean, it was like, there's, is there a player to be named later right. in this whole thing? I mean, yeah, it was cash. all about that, and that's what's going on right now behind wow. closed doors. Russia is negotiating with the United States to try to get terrorists that are in American prisons out back to Russia, and they're holding Brittany Gr- Griner as, as collateral. Yeah, they're not just going to give her to you for no, nothing. No, it's just like – did you We're know, talking about people's lives here, right. Thomas. Did you know a week ago I tweeted out, is Brittany Griner ever going to get out? Like, enough already. Yeah. I tweeted that out like, a, I don't know if you saw my yeah. tweet. Yeah. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was just a coincidence that you're having somebody on no, to talk about no, her. Because, when, no, because this, this past week, she pl- she I pled saw, guilty. Yeah. yeah. Which comes with an up to 10-year sentence, I think. Yeah. So uh, we invited a kind of a, a guy who knows how this works. Good. And he's gonna, and it's a very, I think, I think it's a very informative interview. I, think I love it. like it. And in, in typical Twitter form, people just were like, "Oh, she hates this country. Let her rot." I'm just like, really? There's so many assholes on Twitter. Like, really? That's does she hate this country? Well, I think Since she stayed she in the hate- locker room during the anthem. Uh, you know, there's some stuff. I, I stop it. I, I, just, I, stop I didn't engage. It. I was just like, you guys. Are the just next assholes. thing these, the next thing these assholes are gonna do is make fun of Sierra and Russell Wilson. <laughs> Who would do that? Signing love letters to themselves on Twitter. Uh, And then guest number three is John Hawkins. Love John Hawkins, the Hawk, one of the most outspoken, unfiltered golf writers you'll ever find. On Phil Mickelson, Greg Norman, Live Golf, the British Open, lots of stuff with John Hawkins. That's all coming up on episode 198. But before we do all that fun stuff, a few words about our partners on Mitch Unfiltered, like Fireside Home Solutions, last golf pool of the year, ladies and gentlemen, this week. British Open starts on Wednesday night, Seattle time. Enter at MitchUnfiltered.com. Pick any five players. All must make the cut. $500 to the winner. Top 20 win prizes. Thanks to Fireside Home Solutions. John Waterstrat, thank you. Begin your search for a new fireplace unit at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. The Kirkland Office of Cross Country Mortgage. I feel badly that I noted last week that Jordan Flowers is much more proficient when it comes to real estate finance solutions than he is in the member-member golf tournaments. But it's true. Rental property purchases, second homes, and more. Seven minutes is all you need with the lead man, Jordan Flowers, 425-890-2957. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning, taxes, and investments under one roof, Evergreen GK. More than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza fired up about the huge new location at the end of this month at Terrace Station, Mount Lake Terrace, already new in Mill Creek. 
White Center on 16th Avenue Southwest, Northwest style pizza, the best craft beer selection anywhere and to your door in no time, if you please. Zeke's Pizza app, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler, a great weather weekend. One of the most underrated elements of Daniel's Broiler locations, of course, their outside seating options, patio overlooking the world in Bellevue, the seaplanes at South Lake Union splashing down, Lake Washington at Leshy. It's not just the steaks that makes Daniel's a world-class steakhouse. Episode 198. We're coming up on 200, folks. I don't have anything special planned. I got to do it. Episode 198 begins right now. Unfiltered. He wants to be traded. Brooklyn is taking offers. And I would just say that if Rudy Gobert got five first-round draft choices for Utah when they traded him to Minneapolis, how many draft choices? uh, Is there anybody that even has enough draft choices for a trade with Brooklyn for Kevin Durant? Unfiltered. Nine years, $180 guaranteed for Julio this November, this October, after the first season's over. Nine years, $180 million. He gets $180 million when he was going to make Bupkis over the next four years. He gets $180 over the next nine years. He's set for life. And in nine years, he's 30 or 31 years old. And if he's still a great ball player, he then gets $400 million more from somebody else or the Mariners or whomever. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 198 is now officially underway, even though I did the whole show yeah. in the first season. Is there room left on the mini-disc, or did we fill the whole thing up? Well, I was going to do the Mariners and Carlos Santana. Oh, yeah, he passed out at a concert, and he's taking six shows off. I saw that. Different Carlos Santana. Oh, it is. There is another one. Okay. Yeah. We did, if the season ended today, we did Mr. Playoffs. We did eight in a row, 11 of 12, 16 and three, since I fired everybody. Right. We didn't do Carlos Santana off the scratch. When things start going well, like for a baseball, basketball, football team, and they just are unconscious and can't get out of the way of wins. Yes. There's always like these obscure guys that come through. Carlos Santana, 36 years old, <laughs> got him off the scrap scrap heap. He was hitting 216 for Kansas City. He had four home runs in 52 games for Kansas City. Now he's hitting 282 with the <laughs> Seattle Mariners in 12 games with like three home runs, yeah. game-winning home runs. Two in one day, right? Yeah, two in one day on Sunday. Not too bad. No, two on one day on Saturday, and then the one on Sunday. Right, right. Incredible. Did I get that right? No, I think you might have had two on Sunday. Two on Sunday. That's yeah, right. yeah. Two on Sunday, yeah. Incredible, though. They're, they're, they're down 5-4. I'm like, well, it's probably going to come to an end. It was a good run, you know? Yeah. Nope. Bam. Ridiculous. 6-5. It's totally ridiculous. It's crazy. It almost feels a little like the 1995 run at the end of the season where they were way behind and they were playing that year in the kingdom. We were trying to, they, they got really, really hot at the end. Really hot, yeah. Not at the very, very end, but towards the end. <laughs> yes. Yeah, before they went to Texas. <laughs> right. That's right. So... I did all that, so I'll do this in segment one, and then we'll do a bunch of sports, non-sports stuff in the other other stuff segment. Last week, at this point of the show, I talked to you about Patrick. Oh, right. Do you remember Patrick? Oh, sure. I love Patrick. Who rang our doorbell after finding our son's wallet like 20 miles away, picked it up in the middle of the night, waited the next morning, came to the door, refused to take money, took my money ultimately, but refused and was just the nicest guy, just hand-delivering my son's wallet. Well, another life story of something that happened over the weekend, but not nearly as pleasant, not nearly as good an outcome. And I'm wondering, 
<sighs> I was going to bring this up, and then I told my wife when she got back from D.C. the other night, and she was like, I don't know that you want to talk about that because you're not going to come across looking very good. And that's, of course, when you decide you have to talk about it. Well, <laughs> most of us have been in a situation where we observe something and we're like, ooh. Oh, sure. What yeah. should I do here? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like it's a fight or and then are people, you, involving people that you, you don't know, that you might be in a public place. You're like, ooh, but what's are you, going are on Are you asking there? yourself if you should get involved or are you just... Okay. That's what the... That's what the moral of this story okay. that I'm about to tell you is. Yeah, yeah. Getting involved is always risky. Right. And I'm now questioning whether I did the right thing. Should oh, I have boy. called the police? Right, whatever. Okay. Saturday, I took my car to get serviced up in Linwood. Okay. And while it was being serviced on Saturday morning, they dropped me off. They said, where do you want to go to sit for a while? You want to sit here? You want to... And I had them drop me off at a taco time about a mile and a half from the dealership. Okay. Where I figured I'd have a bite to eat. It was like, I don't know, 1030, 11 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And I'll get on my phone and I'll answer emails. I'll mind my own business. Yes. Okay. <laughs> For once. And that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what I was doing. Yes. I was sitting in a booth. You can picture this. And in fact, when I went in, I was the only person in there oh boy. sitting in a booth, having a casita burrito, <laughs> beef, no pico, oh, no, God. no beans. Jesus. Little bit of sour cream. Uh, a little, anyway. little shot of ranch. Little shot of yeah, ranch. Oh, the best. Yes, because you're special. We remember. And uh, I'm 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 enjoying it. A nice a nice fountain drink <laughs> with the good ice. What am yes. I doing here? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This isn't funny. All right, sorry. Go on. This isn't funny. Okay. I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> so I'm sitting there minding my own business, really kind of engrossed in the email and whatever some stuff for the show. Twitter or whatever. And I didn't even notice that I got company when a, a family of four came in and sat at another table really close to us or really close to me. Okay. And we were the only two tables in action at 11 a.m. at this taco time. Well, it was a family of a, a obviously a mother, a father, a, a young boy and a young girl, like a daughter and a son. Okay. The daughter was probably, I don't know, nine, okay. eight. The son was maybe five. Oh, all right. Okay. Little kids. Little kids. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't paying anything, paying any attention to them. I was in my own world. Sure. And I heard a little commotion, like, you know, kids yell and scream and have fun and giggle and yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. But I wasn't paying attention. Then all of a sudden, I hear the father say, that's it. And I look up, not to make much of it, he's giving the young boy a kind of a pony ride over his shoulders on his back, and they're walking out of the out of the restaurant. Okay. Okay. You mean like a like a like a piggyback ride? Piggyback ride. Right, right. Yeah. Not what did I say? Pony ride. Yeah, piggyback yeah, ride, right? It's not the circus. And at, at, and as they're going out of the door, I hear the 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 kids say, the boys say, but I'm hungry, Daddy. Mm. And I don't make any I go back to my phone, I don't yeah. make anything. Kids are always even, hungry. They're they obviously going out that, to yeah. the out to the car or something, but he's giving them a piggyback ride. Okay. I look up about three minutes later after they go to the car and the three of them are now in the booth. The father's return and it's the father, the mother, and the daughter. Okay. And I, I'm like, what just happened? Is your spidey sense going off? Like this ain't right? Like something's weird? Well, no, now I know. He took him to the car, put him in the car. Okay. Put the five-year-old in the car by himself. All right. For acting up? 
Don't apparently. know. Don't know why. Yeah. But he put the five-year-old or six-year-old or four-year-old in the car by himself. Yeah. And came back. And by the way, I was in there for another 10 or 15 minutes before the guy picked me up to take me back to the dealership. And they were the three of them eating. And the, now, as I said to my wife, do I know for sure that there wasn't somebody else in the car sitting in the car while they were all in top? And she's like, okay, there was nobody else sitting in the car. But do you know for sure the kid was in the car? Did you, did you witness him in a car? No. Is there a chance that that was stepdad and real dad came to pick him up or a relative came to pick him no. up? No. You don't think that was the case? No, he was clearly mad at him. He was, okay. Yeah. Is it warm out? I mean, it's been... No, kind of- not warm. That's the first question Sharon asked yeah. me. It was not warm. It was like, you know, 68, 68 degrees. It was not warm. It was yeah. not. It was, early, it was in the morning hours and it was not warm. And I'm like, should I have called the cops? Should I have said something to him? Do I stay out of it? Do I do what I did, which is do nothing? Right. And I'm like, and since that moment happened and I walked out and got into the, the guy's car to take me back to the dealership, I, it's been on my mind like literally right. just about every minute since, the, since it happened. It was pretty clear that the more I think back, but I, I didn't really know what was happening because I wasn't paying close attention. Yeah. I'm now saying it, you know, going back over the story, it became it becomes more and more clear what happened as I go back in my mind over the story that the kid was yelling and screaming in the restaurant. Yeah. And he took him out and put him in the car. Yeah. Which I think a lot if you've ever Which had, is illegal, right? Yes. Well, I would assume it's illegal to have a kid in the car by themselves. I'm yeah. not a cop or a lawyer or a judge, but I would say it's illegal to have a kid in Who the car. Who puts a five year old in the car by themselves? Five's pretty young, yeah. Or six for four. Twelve, yeah. thirteen. No. I've, I've I've run in and no grabbed way. some stuff at the no store way was with Piper twelve or there, yeah. No way. Five's a little young for that. I'm, I'm a pretty nosy person by nature, and I feel like I see everything, like kind of hypervigilant. I always mm-hmm. notice stuff. I probably would have taken a little walk around to see if I saw the kid in the car just to confirm it because it would have bothered me too. And then you ask yourself, well, is, is doing nothing, does, are you now complicit? Like, are, is, is doing nothing doing Correct. something? Correct. Right. That's what, yeah. So I, I would have had to get eyes on the kid in the car in order to move on with what I would have done next, but... Maybe he got picked up by someone. I don't know. Maybe a friend's parents no, came. I saw him go out to the car. No. Yeah. That's, uh, I'd like to believe it. And you didn't want to get That'd up. That would make me feel a lot better if I, yeah. if I felt like somebody came and picked him up. Because I, I do know that it, I, I've, when there's custody, you know, when parents are sharing custody, they always use like a McDonald's or like a taco time to, for, to be the, the meeting place. No, this isn't that. Didn't, didn't feel like that. No. But a, a piggyback would suggest... You're doing that, a great job, though. Thank you. <laughs> a, a, a piggyback would suggest that he's not that mad, though. Like, if I'm... That's, that's, that's what threw me off. Yeah, if I'm pissed off but what Piper, also What I also got my attention her. was the kid was complaining, but Daddy, I'm hungry. Yeah, that hurt. Ugh. When you I hear had that, to hear that. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to hear that. No. That, that kind of hurts. And I could hear commotion coming from the table, kind of... It was white noise. It was kind of in the background. I was yeah, in yeah. my phone or whatever. I don't know, hot shot. And then it, you know, it's the old. I'm sure other people have had this conversation. When when you see something, do you butt in? Do right. you, you see some domestic issue between, you know, brothers or a wife and a husband, or you just see something going on that's not your business? You don't know anything right. about these people. Do you? What do you do? It's uncomfortable. It's not I the first know. parent to get mad at their kid at a restaurant. No, I'm sure no, our parents. I, oh, I. Have, I got mad at my. I've gotten mad at my. Sure. I've never put him in the car. 
by themselves, especially, well, never. No, I never put him in the car, but I've, no. I've taken Piper outside. Yeah. Like, you better knock this S off yeah, or we're that's, going home. That's, that's a little different. That's different. It is different yeah. than just leaving them in the car. Uh, that's a tough lesson for that kid to learn. I mean, I, I think if it were 80 degrees out, then I think we have a real problem. Then I think he you kind know, of... Sharon's asking me, did they... Did they crack the windows? I mean, I, I didn't, I don't know. I'm surprised know. you didn't go on a quick little walk around to see if you could get eyes on him. Did you not, did you feel like it wasn't your business? Or yeah, I felt maybe like, you, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Getting involved in people parenting their kids is, yeah, that can be risky. Not everyone parents the same. Well, I feel terrible. I, I'd like to do it all over again. And I'd like to take the walk, make yeah. sure. And if there's something going on, do something about it. But, well, maybe, uh, maybe they're a listener and they'll say, look, he was on the car for two minutes. I went back to get oh him. Oh my God. That would make this the smallest world of ever. <laughs> Maybe they're listeners. You never know. Could you could you rec- could you describe them? What? what, what if, like, uh, could you remember what they look like or no? Because now you're gonna get ten people saying it was it was me. But you know, <laughs> what if the kid wrote me? Hey, I'm the kid. I was fine. <laughs> I love the show. Gotta tell you, <laughs> my dad hates it. He brought food he out to you. Me. I had an iPad. I was in heaven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything with kids sort of gets to me, and yeah, I. It, that would have been really tough for me to, to mind my own business if I would have yeah, I seen them. Something. They were just having a jovial time, the three of them. Yeah. I mean, I understand why you, you mind your own business and stay out of... I mean, my, my dad was a firefighter for a lot of years, and so he'd have to go on domestic violence calls because they needed an aid car. And then as, as, as soon as they break it up, the, you know, the wife and the husband, stay off my husband, I love him. Oh, and, you, know, God. As, as, you know what I mean? So it's like my dad told me that happened all the time. These guys are killing each other, but then when you break them apart... Now it's like, oh, I love and him. You're, in fault. Don't, you're at fault. You're at fault. Right. Don't take him away. You know, so buttoning in is risky. It's really risky. But I, when there's a kid involved, it's a different story. If I saw two 30-year-olds fighting in a taco time, I'd probably film it and love it. <laughs> but, if, <laughs> but when a kid's involved, I mean, come on. Yeah. It's rough. But like, hey, look, it, it wasn't hot. Let's just hope the kid was in the no, car no, for no, a few no, minutes. No, 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 no. I can and, tell yeah. you for sure. Yeah. The kid could have been in the car for hours and it wouldn't have made any difference it was not hot outside yeah. at all yeah at all it's not my parenting style but let's i'm sure the kid is probably doing okay and i'm sure he got food eventually and you know he was just the parents were at their wits end it wasn't uh, the best way to handle it so uh, if you've ever left your kid in the car call 1-800 uh, we're taking calls now Mitch and Mitch on that's right. <laughs> yeah. all right three interviews which will be a, a lot better than this and then uh, other stuff segment <laughs> on episode 198 Boy, it's been a tough few months for our 401k plans, hasn't it? Here's Katie Versio of Evergreen Golf Call. Katie, give us some good news, will you? There's not a lot of great news in the market to report, except if you're a buyer. It's a good time to be buying and to have cash. It's also a good time to go three for three. I feel it. This is going to be my day. What's the theme of your quiz today, Katie? It's a market update to see how much you're paying attention. I'm paying attention. So go ahead. Question number one. U.S. inflation in May reached the highest level in more than four decades. What was the inflation increase? Was it 7.6%, 8.3%, or 8.6%? 8.6% C, Katie. Oh, you are right. It was 8.6% up from 8.3% last month. So really driven by a lot of the supply chain issues, energy prices. That's why the market has been really volatile around these numbers. And Mitch Levy is one for one for the first time in his history. I'm ready for question number two. All right. Number two, in June of 2021, oil was $68 a barrel. What is the cost today? Is it $100 a barrel? 120 or 140? 
$120 a barrel. Beef. That's right. Yes. That is right. That's what's really causing this inflation spike is that the cost of energy has just gone up so much over the last year. And Mitch Levy has a chance to go three for three as he predicted. I'm ready for question number three. This one could be an easy one. It's a true or false question. True or false. Both stocks and bonds are down for 2022. Absolutely true, Katie. That is true. You went three for three. Yeah, so stocks are down 18% and bonds are down 11%. It's been a really ugly year where there's not a lot of places to hide. Essentially, the only area of the market that is up on the year is energy. That's why here at Evergreen, we think that active management makes a lot of sense. It used to be really easy to make money in the market for the last five or 10 years or so, where you just buy the index and it keeps going up. But now we think, you know, there's pockets of value. We think there's certain areas that make sense. So we think active management makes a lot of sense in this environment. And that's why it's a good time to check out everything that Evergreen is doing. Start with their website, evergreengk.com. We love Katie Versio, Director of Financial Planning at Evergreen Golf Call. Everything wealth. Unfiltered. That is a home run. That is Julio Rodriguez. A two-run shot the Mariners have. A 4 nothing lead. Hey now for Julio. been an incredible role for the hometown nine many of us threw up our hands after the angels series losing four of five now the hottest team in the sport since our next guest knows and talks baseball as well as anyone sirius xm former mets gm and my friend steve phillips how are you steve i'm doing great mitch good to be with you it's good to have you the last time you were on with us was on or near opening day and you said you like the looks of the Mariners, but they're a little short. You've been right all along. Well, they've been a lot short up until recently. Do you still feel the way that you did back on opening day right now? Well, I think that, that I mean, they're playing out of their minds right now. And the young player, Julio Rodriguez, is really good. Uh, Logan Gilbert has taken it to another level this year. They've got some depth, and they're playing with some, some, some inspiration right now, even without Ty France in the mix which is, you know, the injury that he had suffered. So the Carlos Santana trade's been a nice addition, veteran guy, on-base percentage guy, great teammate. They've made some nice moves. I think the fight with the, the Angels maybe got them going a little bit too. And so there was some of that happening with them. And I think that that there's they're playing inspired baseball right now. And with young teams, and I've always believed this, it doesn't matter what I think about them, what you think about them, what anybody else thinks about them. It matters what they think. And we can all look at the same team and see something different. And it really only comes down to what do they see when they look at themselves in the mirror right now, and they're starting to believe. Now, the American League East with the Yankees and, and, and Red Sox and Rays and, and Blue Jays, they're going to beat each other up. The division in the West, a little clearer path for Seattle. So with the third wild card this year, you can't count them out right now with the way that they're playing. And, and uh, we'll see if they can't sustain this. Doing it without Haniger, doing it without Lewis, for the most part in this stretch, doing it out without France. Kelnick hasn't been a part of the team, really. 
And yet here we are. So now what do you do as we approach the deadline, Steve, if you're Jerry DePoto? Well, I think that, that you know, you've got to bring in some experience because I think that's going to be an important factor for them over the last couple of months. There are young kids that kind of went through it last year, but I do think getting some level of experience is there to where the coaching staff and the manager are not the level of accountability, but the accountability is from player to player instead of from player to staff member. Carlos Santana brings some part of that into the team, that veteran player. So I think they're going to have to bring in some experience. I would fortify with another starter. I would fortify with some depth in the bullpen. And ideally, you've got France coming back as long as the health factor is going to be a fact, you know, he's going to be okay with it. But you might look to bring in another bat just to be able to have a veteran hitter to share some experience about what it's like playing down the stretch. The centerpieces of the turnaround, Steve. A young guy with an endless amount of talent and an endless smile and the Cy Young offseason acquisition. Let's start with Robbie Ray because of your work in Toronto. You watched him so closely over the years. He, in microcosm, has been the turnaround here. Monday, June 6th, he was 5-6 and six with a 4.97 ERA. Since then, six starts, and by the way, they coincide with the 14-3 and three or 15-3 and three run. Six starts, 39 and two-thirds innings, four runs. He's got a 0.90 earn run average since June 6th. What's the difference, Steve, that, that you can tell from way back east? Well, command command is really the thing for him. You know, having watched him, he was always a guy with a great arm. And he was an analytics darling. Everybody in baseball, when Robbie Ray was with the Arizona Diamondbacks, thought, if we can only get our hands on him, we'll figure him out. We'll make him better. And Toronto did it. Toronto got him. Pete Walker, their pitching coach, did an excellent job. They really simplified things. He throws a high fastball, and he throws his slider. And that's really all he throws. And when he tries to get more complicated than that is when I think he gets himself in a little bit of trouble, but he throws the slider down and away to the left-hander, down and into the right-hander. He's not cute about it, but he consistently can bury that slider. And as long as he's working ahead in the count and he can throw the high fastball for a strike, then he changes the hitter's eye level. He's got the break on the slider, hitter swing over the top of it. And it's made a big difference for him. He's a real competitive guy. He grunts and groans on every pitch he throws. His uniform is usually a little bit too tight. Uh, that was always the big thing in Toronto. People <laughs> kind of joked about that. Uh, but he really has gotten competitive. He gained a lot of confidence last year. And it seems like it wasn't a fluke. And, you know, sometimes when you play really well for one year, pitch really well for one year with a team, and you change teams, it's sometimes hard to hold on to that. He did bobble a little bit early. But he's grabbed onto that again, and I think it's really going to pay off for him down the stretch. And that veteran leader in the rotation with the other young guys, Mark Gonzalez, much better than he was early in the season. Logan Gilbert, very consistent. I mean, they're getting everybody sort of stepping up right now and taking their game to another level. As an aside, a fun aside, go back to the grunting and groaning. I remember when Monica Sellis did it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Her opponents bristled. They did not like it. They thought it was dramatic. They thought it was theatric. What about opposing teams hitters? You never hear anything about it. Does anybody care that he grunts and groans after every pitch? I don't think so. The other big difference is in tennis, everybody's quiet and whispers in the stands. And in baseball, it's a little louder. I don't think anybody is bothered by it. At some point, he's a veteran guy, been around for a while. And I think people accept that, that he's okay with it. And there's a part of him sometimes 
that he'll, you know, he won't grunt on a fastball, grunt on a slider. And so there's some gamesmanship. Yeah, some gamesmanship and all of that. That's why, you know, there are some questions when I answer with you that I grunt and there are some that I don't just because I want to keep you or sort of on the edge of your seat, Mitch. Oh, Steve. And then there's Julio, the American League All-Star, Julio Rodriguez, Rookie of the Month in May, Rookie of the Month in June. It's hard to live up to rookie expectations when they're so lofty, and yet he has captured like the fancy and imagination of all Mariners fans, and we reminisce back to a rookie Alex Rodriguez and a young Ken Griffey Jr. Steve, how good is he? How good will he be? I mean, he's a rock star. I mean, he's going to be a rock star superstar. In order to be a starting player at the major league level, you usually have to have power and or speed. Uh, or if you don't have either of those, then you better hit over 300. You know, that's batting average. And I know we, you know, or, you know, we're talking on base percentage, 350s right. Right. to 400. The most dominant players are the ones that have that unique combination of power and speed and can hit for the high average and can get the on-base percentage. That's who he is. He's got all the tools. I mean, we're talking about, you know, 20 home runs, 15 stolen bases, and just extraordinary power doing it at the start of his career. Uh, when nobody else has done it to that level. And, and honestly, the personality is so big and so good that I think it keeps him out of slumps because I don't think he's going to lose confidence. I mean, he'll have, he's going to have some tough times, but he'll get out of it because he does believe in himself. And he's a great teammate. Guys like him. Fans like him. He's fun to be around. And so, yeah, he's, he's the entire package. Let's chat before we end about this Julio long-term plan for him. And the Mariners, you were a GM. Now, things were a little different. I don't want to date you. You're not a dinosaur, but but things were a little <laughs> different. They're doing things differently these days with the guys that are under club control for six years. On last week's podcast, and I know you haven't gotten there yet. I know you're on your way to listening to last week's podcast, Steve. I say yeah. tongue-in-cheek. I took two guys as an example. Wander Franco and Fernando Tatis. Now, Franco signed an 11-year, $181 million contract at age 20 after one half of a season, essentially. Fernando Tatis was 22. He had played in parts of two seasons. He had just come off of a third-place finish in the MVP award balloting, and he signed a 14-year, $340 million contract at age 22, which will take him all the way till age 36 for the Padres. So I took those two and I thought about them, and I suggested last week on the show that Julio could sign an eight- or nine-year contract, which would give the Mariners three or four more extra years beyond club control, but would still make him a free agent at 30, where he could do a Mike Trout mega deal if he's the player that we all think he can be. To understand all the numbers, what I don't understand, and I'll kind of fall backwards, hopefully you'll catch me. If he were to completely bet on himself and sign no contract and just go year to year with those three arbitration years, can you roughly estimate over the first six years what he would make? Is it possible to do that? Yeah, I would say that that if... You know, his rookie, he's making minimum salary now. You know, they don't have to give him much of a raise next year because of the controllability of the, the zero to three service time players. 
And so you would think that for the first three years of the contract, he's going to make about two and a half to $3 million total because it's 750,000, 700,000. So I'd say, let's say three, $3 million total. Okay. Then the arbitration years, the three arbitration years, he's going to probably be a, a 10, 20, $30 million guy in each of those years. So you're looking at 63 million over the six years is what I would suspect is close to the money that he'll end up making. So I said, if Franco does 11 years, 181 and gives the raise until he's 31, that's like an average of, I don't, my math isn't great, like 18 million. And Tatis gets a lot more per year because he gives San Diego his services all the way until he's 36. So he gets bigger. I said, why don't the Mariners sign Julio to a nine-year, $180 million guarantee, $20 million a year guaranteed. Then he becomes a free agent at 30, and he can do God knows when we get to that point what they'll be paying these guys. I don't know, 12 years, $500 million, $600 million, $700 million, whatever it is. What do, you, what do you think? Are those numbers low? What do you think about those numbers? So so a nine-year deal at about 180. Uh, at 20 million a year, that would mean that he's getting a hundred and about round numbers, about 120 million for the three free agent years. That's 40 million a year. I would suspect that that's a little higher than they'd want to go at 40 million a year okay. on, the, on the free agency years. Uh, and so I would think they'd probably pull it down into the low to mid thirties, trying to get a deal done there. If I'm the player and if I'm the team, I want to go longer. I want to do the longer deal. Really? I, yeah, because it, and he may wait a year uh, to where he becomes more like Fernando Tatis Jr. than he is now because the service time and the amount of, of playing time and, and, and sample size is really small right now. If he adds a two-year sample size, because his game is more like Fernando Tatis Jr. with the power and speed than it is Juan DeFranco. Juan DeFranco is a really good player. He doesn't have the power and speed. That, that Julio Rodriguez has. And so he's more like Tatis. And therefore, I'm shooting for the Tatis contract if I'm the player and the agent. If I'm the team, the one good thing is they don't have a lot of money tied up long term. You've got a kid who loves the city. The city loves him. He's highly talented. He's an extraordinary citizen. He's the kind of guy you want to lock up and build around for the future. I would make it a 14-year deal when the time comes, lock him up for as long as I can. And if I'm the player, I think I take that deal too, rather than hoping that at 30, I go out and get into free agency and get another big contract out of it. All right. Good. I like it very much. If somebody calls about Koenig at the deadline, should Jerry listen? Yes. Yeah, I would listen on him. I would. I would. I I think he, he still may turn out to be a pretty good ball player. He's not Julio Rodriguez. But for the right deal, and not just for a rental player, but for a controllable player, I think you have to consider it. Okay. Steve Phillips, where would I be without him all these years? Thank you, Steve. I hope you enjoyed the first half of the baseball season. I know you have. XM, Sirius, does work north of the border. Always kind to share a few minutes with us on Mitch Unfiltered. You're the best. Thank you, Steve. Thanks so much, Mitch. Always glad to do it. I don't know much, but I know this. It takes a lot longer for summer to arrive in the Northwest and Zeke's Pizza to your door. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Black, the president of Zeke's Pizza. Hiya, Dan. What's new in the Zeke's Pizza world these days? Yeah, no kidding. Only takes us 30 minutes. Takes summer a lot longer. (laughs) Uh, Lots of new stuff in the Zeke's world. You and I tend to talk about new store openings a lot, and we got a good one coming up at the end of July. We're opening at Terrace Station, which is a 
transit-oriented development right off I-5 up in Mount Lake Terrace, kind of north of 205th. And it is going to be a really cool restaurant. It's really big. It's a full-blown pizza pub. It's got a huge outdoor patio. It's going to be a cool spot. Nice. And what pizza is Dan Black and the Black family focusing on these days? (laughs) We are eating nothing but pepperoni right now. It's because we have this great new locally sourced pepperoni that we're putting on all of our pizzas. We just switched over. Local company called Coro. They used to be Salumi. You know, we typically don't do local just for the sake of local. We end up doing a lot of local stuff because it tastes better. We want as much of our purchasing power to go into flavor as opposed to transportation. And so we end up local a lot and it feels good to be doing it on the pepperoni because it noticeably tastes a lot better. So we've been eating a lot of it. Of course, we like doing business with our friends and family and neighbors and stuff uh, when we can. And so, yeah, it's been all pepperoni all the time for the black family lately. I'm not a huge drinker, but I'm very much aware of your Northwest beer selection. Dan, tell me about Z side frozen IPA. Yeah, as, as you know, Mitch, we do a lot of what we call collab beers, and that's that's when we partner with local breweries, and they they brew a batch of beer that basically is exclusively Zeke's. And so at any given time, we have three or four really great Northwest beers on that you can only get at Zeke's. It's kind of what's special about us. But this summer, our flagship is Z-Side Frozen IPA. We're doing it with Fremont Brewing. Almost everybody knows who Fremont is. They're one of the biggest uh, breweries in the Northwest. They have that great outdoor beer garden that everybody loves. And they, you know, they just brew great beer. Z-Side, it's a light drinking summer IPA. It was made with an experimental hop that they froze at the time of harvest last fall. Mm-hmm. And so it tastes really fresh and is really light drinking, really good for summer. Man, a lot of good things going on at Zeke's Pizza these days. We really appreciate their support back in the radio days and now on the podcast, Mitch Unfiltered. We love them. Zeke's Pizza homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. A surprise admission that could very well change the legal and diplomatic fate for one of the most successful female athletes in the world. WNBA star Brittany Griner appeared in a Russian courtroom once again today where she pled guilty to drug possession and smuggling charges in her trial following her arrest for bringing vape cartridges of hashish oil into the country. Griner's case has been watched closely in the U.S. In recent days, the Biden administration has faced increased pressure to gain the Olympians' release after 140 days in detention. Well, this Brittany Griner saga gets more and more frustrating, not to mention scarier for her and her family by the minute. Thomas Schwartz is a distinguished professor of history at Vanderbilt University, specializing in U.S. foreign relations. He has served on the U.S. State Department's Historical Advisory Committee. He's also the author of the book, Henry Kissinger. And American power. Hiya, Tom. Welcome to Mitch Unfiltered. Well, thank you very much, Mitch, for having me on the program. Not so much tongue-in-cheek. I ask you what Kissinger would think of all this. Well, Kissinger, Kissinger was famous for liking quiet diplomacy to deal, deal with these things. He probably would have been advocating people to, to calm down and not make as much agitation because the more public people were about protesting issues like this. And this particularly, I'm thinking of the analogy that um, Kissinger had with Soviet Jews, where he tried to do things behind the scenes, but that Henry Jackson, famously a senator from Washington state, wanted to make it very public. And that was something something that ended up closing down the emigration of Soviet Jews at the time. It's funny that you mentioned that because I was going to ask you, 
Tom, we in the sports world have been talking about this for a long time. And at the outset, everyone with a loud voice, athletes, politicians, basketball figures, basketball leagues, we were all asked to be very quiet and say very little about this, but it didn't work. And now the decibel level seems very high on this. That's right. That's right. And that, I, I understand that. That's the, uh, the, the administration probably hoped that by keeping it very quiet, eventually the Russians would, would make a decision that it wasn't worth it, or they might be willing uh, to exchange Brittany for a, a lower level Russian imprisoned instead of the, the arms merchant that it looks like they might try and uh, exchange her for now. We'll get there in a second. Tom, I want to understand that. But before we do, it's a complicated, tangled web, and it's way over my head. You have all the books in the background. You're the smart guy. I have the microphone here. I'm not the smart guy. It's obviously been going on for months and months. Now she's pled guilty to a drug smuggling charge. What's the relevance of the plea if she was just going to be found guilty anyway? Was this the right thing to do for her and her legal team? I think they judged that it was right on the idea that it might provide an out for President Putin if he wanted to gain some PR points by saying that clearly she is uh, penitent about this, that she made a mistake, and that therefore I will grant her some degree of mercy. Um, she is a basketball star in Russia, so there are other aspects going on here, and he might be interested in actually gaining some public relations credit with some Americans uh, by actually freeing her or or um, reducing her sentence. It's hard to say. I mean, the other, the hardball, he might also be playing hardball and um, demand uh, an exchange. The sentencing will be interesting. She's uh, up for up to 10 years. What do you imagine will happen in that? I have a feeling, just and it's not completely rational, but I have a feeling that she might get considerably less. It still will be more time than anybody wants to spend in a Russian prison. Yeah. So the issue of getting her exchanged might be there, but it might be considerably less than the 10 years simply because she did plead guilty. She is a, a star in Russia and has played basketball there. And Putin might choose, or at least his judge uh, with a, a wink and a nod from the president might choose to show some leniency. How much attention do you think Biden is giving to this, would you imagine? And what kind of conversations take us behind the closed doors? Is it safe to assume that they have made some sort of an offer to Biden, either officially or through back channels? Tom, I think it's safe to assume some some type of offer has been made. The Russian media has certainly said that negotiations are ongoing. The U.S. hasn't confirmed it. But my guess is that there are some possible offers on the table and that uh, there is negotiation going on. How directly the president's involved um, is probably more recent because of the recent sort of direct invoking of his name with um, uh, Griner's wife actually saying that he hadn't spoken to her and really getting directly there. Now I think he's probably engaged with the topic. Beforehand, I would imagine it had only been dealt with by lower-level bureaucrats and perhaps up to the Secretary of State, yeah. but that's about it. You have called this old Kremlin ploy to induce mm -hmm. a prisoner swap of some sort a very slippery slope, and it makes sense why. Explain to our audience why you feel that way, Tom. Well, it's just that this is this is one of those things you don't want to have become a common practice because essentially it is equating conviction 
uh, of a basketball player on a on a relatively minor drug charge with an arms dealer who was basically charged with selling weapons that would kill Americans. It's a it's a very lopsided exchange. Uh, we've seen this in other circumstances. The Iranians are really famous for this, and in fact, I mean, their whole hostage-taking idea is has been commonplace over the years. But this is the type of thing during the Cold War, it was usually a spy for a spy. Nowadays, what we're talking about is the willingness of the Kremlin to grab uh, individual Americans who are in Russia and try then to get something out of it. It's a very slippery slope since uh, there are plenty of Americans they could continue to do this to, although I would imagine that Brittany Griner's fate has probably caused a chill for those American athletes who want to go play uh, basketball in Russia. How often do these swaps happen, and would you imagine that other countries around the world are watching this very closely, and if the result is that the United States and President Biden acquiesces here, we'll start grabbing Americans, too, in our countries. You know, that is the uh, uh, that is the possibility that you will, you know, encourage it. They don't happen often. President Trump was uh, very fond of trying to get people out of Turkey. He got he got people out of Turkey without a major exchange, but he was probably offering other things, particularly um, the Turkish president wanted uh, some American cooperation on uh, operations in Syria and other things. So it wasn't a direct prisoner exchange in that case. But I think the idea that Americans can be captured in this way and then held and you can get concessions, let's face it, this historically has not been a good thing. The Iran-Contra scandal of the 1980s involved uh, the seizure of hostages in the Middle East and the trading for arms. So it's not a it's not a great operation to do. And I'm sure that Biden does not want to go down that path if he can avoid it. But it does seem to be more common now that the Russians are seizing Americans like um, Paul Whelan, the uh, ex-Marine who was seized a couple of years ago. Going back to the topic of how big this has become and how loud it has become, the Russian Deputy Foreign Minister Tom said the following, we have a long-standing framework for discussing such issues. The attempts of the American side to stir hype in the public arena to make noise regarding this topic are very clear, and they don't help the practical resolution of the issues. Read between the lines. What is he saying to us? I think that's a, a rather complicated one because he's he's essentially saying on the surface, it seems to be saying that you Americans have made a lot of publicity about this. You've heightened this about Brittany Griner on a drug charges. And this is something that you've you've stirred up. But on the other hand, the fact that it has been stirred up has raised the stakes. And so what Russia might be able to get for Brittany is considerably higher than might be the case. So he may be playing both sides there, both criticizing the Americans for hyping it, but also recognizing the benefit that will come if they do decide to ask for this exchange. It feels like when you talk about how disproportionate it is between what they want and what we want, it's kind of it kind of feels awful to even talk about. It's almost like we're talking about an NBA trade or a major league baseball trade or a football trade. But I guess that's the that's the reality of it. Releasing a convicted terrorist that conspired to kill Americans in exchange for what Griner did is ludicrous, Tom. I don't think anybody that's half rational would conclude that. Absolutely. And that's the that's the dilemma the president's in, because I think the political I think he would love to get a win now. His his 
recent news has not been great. Mm-hmm. And I think he would love to, to be able to say, I brought Brittany Griner home. And I think what you're saying is the disproportionate there will also be seized upon by critics. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's kind of a, a lose-lose proposition, no matter what he ends up deciding, except that for uh, people who are close to Brittany and, and certainly your fans and everything, will certainly applaud any effort to get her out. Let's end with this, Tom. There's a sentiment out there in the sports world that this would have been already resolved if it were a high-profile American men's athlete. If this were LeBron James in the same predicament, he would have been returned already. Do you personally believe that that's true? I don't know. If, If the Russians caught LeBron with drugs and had a case against him, even if it was inadvertent, like with Brittany, they might have milked that for everything it was worth as well, and also then wanted and gotten an exchange. There may have been, of course, I think what's right is there would have been more initially a lot more publicity in the United States because of LeBron's, as LeBron is so much more, more well-known. But I think the same fate might have come that we might have ended up with a very disagreeable exchange. What do you think the end result's going to be? I think there'll be an exchange. Um, what I'm hoping for to make it a little less disagreeable is that the president's able to get both Americans out, not just Brittany, that if he could find a way to get Wheeland out at the same time, that would sort of subdue some of the criticism that he might be getting. The voice of Thomas Schwartz, history professor at Vanderbilt University with a lot of books behind him. How many have you read? What percentage of those books have you read, Tom, that I see? Uh, That would be embarrassing, and I'm going to plead the fifth on it. I'm not going to tell you. It would be it would be a lot lower than it should be given the, the given the stacks there. So. Well, you're a gentleman for being with us on Mitch Unfiltered. The name of the book he's done what three or four three books. The name of the book mm-hmm. is Henry Kissinger and American Power: The Brittany Griner Story that just goes on and on and on. Tom, pleasure to have you on Mitch Unfiltered. Let's do it again. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Take care. It's time to check back in with John Waterstrat of Fireside Home Solutions. He's back with us. Fireplaces, garage doors, you name it. How goes it over there, John? It's doing great. Uh, we've had to get through this mucky weather, like you know, Mitch, but it uh, <laughs> looks like the sun's popping back out. Things are starting to shine a little bit more. Like everywhere else, you and I have been talking about the wait times for non-stock orders because of the shipping issue that everybody has. Are you seeing any improvement on that end? We definitely have seen some improvement. I can't say it's going to be quick, but uh, it has improved. And uh, our manufacturers have done a wonderful job of just looking at their processes, looking at what we're going through right now, these shortages, and and doing a good job to get lead times down. And what do you think they are? Uh, Sometimes it depends. Like I said, we always have the stock list, and we can talk about that. But uh, we also have some things that are on longer lead times. But instead of waiting 30 weeks, we've kind of shrunk that down maybe to 18 to 20 weeks. Like I said, it's not short, but it's gotten better. But there's always that option of purchasing and installing a unit that's in your inventory, which is what we did here at the Levy household. So let's walk through that for a second. The Fireside Home Solutions team comes to your home free of charge. They look at your space, analyze and listen to your needs. Then we visit one of your many showrooms in the Pacific Northwest. 
Yep. Just talk to your sales rep. We'll come out to your house. We'll look at what you want and then just let your sales rep know. Is it speed that you need? If you need that, we'll get the stock list together. We'll find something that works and we can get that installed in about three weeks. If you have some time, let us know and we can get exactly what you want. And we just have to be patient, just like in any any order that we're talking about with these longer lead times. Perfect. A few years ago, you guys wandered into the garage door market, too. How's that been going? Because I'm hearing about some exciting things coming down the line. Yeah, it's been great. We've continued to grow that business. And uh, here in the fall, we're going to go ahead and open a showroom in Tacoma. It's going to help the South Sound areas. And it's going to be really nice to be able to have Bellevue, Auburn and Tacoma and just be able to help those customers in Pacific Northwest. That's awesome. Now, before you go, you have to tell our audience where you were for the first time in the middle of April and what you thought. Oh, uh, I got to have that bucket list checked off and I was able to get to Augusta. Pretty awesome. Awesome to watch Scotty Seffler uh, hit some great shots, but the course is just a special place. Well, I'll say it then. We love Fireside Home Solutions, a tradition unlike any other and a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Hey, it's great to have Daniel CEO Lindsey Schwartz back with us on Mitch Unfiltered, despite his complaints that my questions are too long. Lindsey, how's everything at Daniel's? How was June, a month of celebration? Hey, Mitch, great to be back. Yeah, you know what? I, uh, I'm i used to the long questions, so I can handle it. It's all good. June is great. You know that we're all about celebrations at Daniels and lots of opportunities to celebrate in June. Kind of starts out with proms, goes into graduations and Father's Day. It's just great to see families celebrating, young people celebrating. June is a special month for us. One of the underrated layers and elements to Daniel's broiler is summertime on the outside decks and seating, and you offer options at all of your locations. Yeah, I think what what's great about Daniel's and, and one of the reasons we've been around so long is the locations that we have. There's three great locations with outdoor seating. You got Daniel's Leshy with views of Lake Washington and Mount Rainier. You got Bellevue up top looking over Lake Washington at the Seattle skyline and Lake Union. You see the, the seaplanes, you see the sailboats, lots of great things to see in the summertime here. Yes, and I apologize in advance about my last question, which will be lengthy. But Max Levy, who buses at South Lake Union and loves it there, loves all of his co-workers, at times complains that Bellevue has an unfair advantage by the name of Jim Washburn. Tell everybody in our audience who Jim Washburn is, Lindsay. Yeah, it's true. It does have an unfair advantage, and we're so lucky to have Jim Washburn. He's the piano player at Daniel's Bellevue, and if you can believe this, he's been with us for over 30 years. He's been entertaining people for over three decades. He's there Thursdays through Saturdays from 7 to 11 p.m. People have been coming to see him for years and years. Everybody loves him, young and old. He's one of the few guys who's been around as long as you and I have. And uh, for those who haven't seen him, get up there and see him because it's, it's a real treat. Summertime at Daniel's, outside seating, all kinds of special opportunities. We love Daniel's Broiler, a great partner since back in the radio days. Daniel's Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. And with a power last, it is a nerveless... It is a faultless performance from 24-year-old Colin Markawa, who wins on his open debut. 
Open Championship Week at what they call the birthplace of golf, St. Andrews. Of course, amidst the controversy that will never die, live golf. Greg Norman, by the way, wanted to play and not only was no the answer, he was asked to stay away from the champion's dinner. My favorite golf writer and voice, John Hawkins, Morning Read, Sports Illustrated, The Hawk. How are you, partner? Doing well, bud. How are you? I'm good. Are you live golfed out yet or not quite? I am. <laughs> I am. Uh, it's coming out my nose and my ears, Mitchell. It's. Uh, I, I wrote it last week uh, off that dreadful telecast uh, from from Portland, which, by the way, how about the crowds out in the great Northwest? I mean, really impressive, especially to see a garage band that couldn't even keep time, had a drummer that couldn't keep time. I mean, it was like, I mean, it's like a, it's like watching one of those, that cheerleading thing they show you once a year from Orlando down there on Sunday morning. They Anyway, now I'm glad we don't suit up again on that end of town until uh, late this month again. It seems to be in a in an end-of-the-month kind of mode. So there you have it. American Soil is hosting? These these tournaments are on American Soil, Hawk. What about that? Well, yeah. I mean, that's my next-door neighbor is up in arms about that. And um, first, first of all, they focused on markets that have been sort of ignored by the PGA Tour, uh, Portland and Seattle yep. being two of them. Yep. Chicago got, got screwed. Even Boston Although the open, the U.S. Open was there, obviously, but uh, they're without a tournament. There's a lot of big markets out there. Miami, I think, is another site. Uh, heck, they don't even have a tournament in in, in New York, uh, really. I mean, it comes and goes. The uh, first playoff event, which you know, that's not really <laughs> almost doesn't count. Mm-hmm. A lot of big markets, and I think LIV Golf. Uh, Obviously saw some opportunity there, but uh, I don't think it's going to go over nearly as well in other U.S. markets as it did in Portland, which, you know, I mean, I think it's it, it's fair to say that it's probably a little bit more of a, of a liberal attitude, uh, especially in regard to sports, uh, which isn't, just, and please don't, don't, don't shoot me. Um, I think that, I think it's something where the people in Portland and, and, and your part of the country are probably a lot more willing, uh, a lot more receptive to the, to the idea. I think the, the mentality out there would seem to be, hey, it's golf. It's the highest level. So what? It stopped raining. Let's go outside and watch the best in the world play golf. And back here where I am, we got, uh, we got a couple of words that start with the letter F, you know, and uh, we could probably use them in in regard to the product itself, although it will be interesting to see how it does at Trump Bedminster uh, in Northwestern New Jersey. And that actually is the next stop, I believe July 28th. So uh, yeah, U.S. soil and uh, a lot of people a little bit, a little bit annoyed about that. It's funny. And there's another word that starts with F it's funny because the last time (laughs) that you were on, the Mickelson original comments had just been released. Now, you probably don't remember what you said to me, so I'm going to remind you. You were talking about Teflon Phil, and you thought originally that this thing might blow over really quickly. Obviously, it hasn't. Are you surprised 
Or did these guys just keep digging deeper holes for themselves with the way that they handled it publicly? I think, and let me uh, let me edit your. I think what I said was that people would forget about it, meaning the fans, mm-hmm. and not not to play a semantical game with you, but I, I I don't think anything ever truly blows over with Mickelson. I think it's there's an accumulation of good and bad over what is now 30 years, Mitch, and it's crazy, but it's voluminous. <laughs> Uh, in this case, I would point out he got a very positive and rousing ovation or reception at, at Brookline, which isn't exactly the easiest uh, room to master. That's a pretty tough club for a stand-up comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Boston, uh, they got some F-words up there, too. That said, Mickelson has, boy, it's going to be really, does it surprise me? No, no, but only because, not not because I'm a, I'm a smarty pants just because I've learned having done this for a long time. You just never should be surprised by anything Mickelson does. I think Alan Shipnock's book really sort of brought the thing from below the surface and turned it into a geyser spewing volcano. You guys have volcanoes up there. They spew, right? I mean, (laughs) yes, uh, yes. A little bit of a, a little bit of a tawdry word, but uh, I think that and just the, the, the manner in which he behaved. Um, uh, yeah, I, you could see you could see that he's somewhat repentant, but I'm not really sure we know why. I mean, when he apologized, he didn't apologize to the PGA Tour. He apologized to his friends who bailed him out of financial troubles mm-hmm. over in Saudi Arabia. I mean, that, that was the most misinterpreted apology in the history of apologies. And (laughs) Phil doesn't really deserve any pity. He really doesn't deserve much attention. And I think he realizes that. And right now he's doing something, trying to do something that's very difficult for him to do and (laughs) keep a low profile. His his poor play certainly is aiding him on that front, but he needs to stay low and he needs to stay low for a while. Do you think that he'll ever be able to repair his television or his image, you and I have talked about Hawk a couple of different times, that there was a boatload of money waiting for him for CBS or NBC. He was the guy, right? He was going to be the guy whenever he wanted it for the next 15 years to make a lot of money calling golf from a tower. Not so much anymore. Well, yeah. I mean, if not, I don't see it happening. No, I mean, CBS seemed like the perfect fit, but you know, they went and hired Trevor Immelman, which makes no sense, but, but well, it makes sense. It's just not a good decision. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Would would Mickelson have made the leap if he knew Faldo was leaving at the end of the season? My guess is yes. He would have still done this because I'm guessing that Sean McManus, the president of CBS Sports or chairman, whatever snazzy term they have for him, uh, probably was alerted, uh, informed by Faldo and his agent at the beginning of the season that this would be his last and that he would announce it right after, you know, middle, middle right, of the year. Right, so right. that's how these things work. And I think at that point, Mickelson still hadn't gotten himself into water hot enough to prevent him from, I'm sure that doing TV was a, uh, was some was, was an option for him, but that's probably gone. It, it's, it's so hard to say 
where things will be in three years. Because frankly, Mitch, you know, 80% of golf's fan base doesn't really, I'm not saying they don't give a hoot about live golf. I mean, I just saw some numbers. You and I are going to have more people listen to this show than live golf had. Uh, for its first, for its first telecast, I, I haven't seen the numbers from Portland, but um, I, I, I just, you know, at this point, I, I don't know, I don't know that Nicholson it, it really, he's not bulletproof, he's not Teflon, and I do remember using that word. It's just like he's almost. I think that the public has come to view him in much the same way that we do. Like never a dull moment mixes three parts stupidity for every part, uh, spectacular play. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's just a kind of a, he is what he is. Right. Yeah. The great, uh, John Hawkins, the Hawk. Hey, listen, couple of minutes on the open. I'll let you go. St. Andrews. Okay. Revered by most but you find a lot of people that think it's nothing special if they're willing to voice that. What about St. Andrews? <laughs> well, it's like playing golf. It's it. I love it. I, I think it's, it's golf at its most unsophisticated unsophist- and unrefined flavor. It's, it's, it's like you cut 18 holes in a, in a department store parking lot and you just tee it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, yeah, when the wind doesn't blow, and it's not raining, it can be had, it can be brutalized. And that may well be the case this coming week. But, you know, I, I think St. Andrews is terrific. It's it's just simple. It's, here's here's the first hole. There's the second tee. Boys, enjoy yourselves. Good luck. When you break golf down into such primitive competitive form, it's no wonder that Tiger has won uh, two of his his open championships there by being the simplest test. It might be the best test. Tiger skipped Brookline. He played in that Fakakta pro-am, whatever that was. I heard where he, uh, he played 18 with Justin Thomas on Sunday at St. Andrews. Is this hit? This is it for him at St. Andrews, right? we got to take the, the pictures over the bridge and all that stuff. Well, I, you know, I think I could see him come. I mean, they have it there every 10 years. Actually, they ha- they've had it there every five years, but COVID messed everything up. With uh, Turnberry out of the rotate with out of the road uh, uh, after a brief stint in the road because of the Trump Association, I think you could easily see. And I think this was the 150th anniversary. Maybe I w- wouldn't surprise me if if we saw him again. I mean, he's 46. He's an old 46, Mitch, but he could still show up and batted around with the fellows. I, I don't think it's the last time. I do think this could very easily be the last time we see foreseeable future that we see all of the world's best golfers on the same course. I think that you will see over the next eight to 10 months, some decisions made by the, the Lords of golf, particularly the fellows down in Augusta, Georgia, that could very well uh, lead to, the live golf players, live golf members being expelled from participate participation there. And if that happens, I don't think uh, they stand a chance of getting world ranking points or playing in the other three majors. So we'll say uh, that's just a prediction, but it feels, feels like that's the way things are shifting. You think we'll ever see him on a Sunday leaderboard again, Hawk? Oh, boy. Talk about never say never. I, I mean, 
he won the 2019 masters, but that, that was, it was three years and change ago. It feels like 30, doesn't it? I mean, um, I would be hard pressed to, to envision a scenario where he would factor deep into Sunday afternoon or, or win. I think he can play well for 36 hole stretches, although he really hasn't. And look, it's both, both the majors he played and he did the same thing. He shut, he hung in there in the first round. He fell off dramatically in the second and the third and fourth were ceremonial walks. Right. So right now there's just not a whole lot of data to suggest that Woods is really still a, a, a legitimate top tier competitive presence. Okay. Before you go, our audience is screaming at their phones right now or however they're listening to this podcast. <laughs> We have a big contest that we run with all the majors, huge contest where everybody in our audience is asked to pick five guys. And there's some green, there's some cash on the line here, Hawk. You got to pick five guys. We got to pick five guys. And to be able to be eligible for the prize, all five guys got to make the cut. Oh God. How many years, how many majors do you have no winner? (laughs) We have a winner every, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Every, well, I mean, my, wait, give me some names. Give me some names for the, uh, my for the fa- well, Shoffley's won three of his last seven starts, including the last two. He's been over there. Uh, Shoffley, I like Schaffler. I mean, who doesn't? Sam Burns. I mean, I'm not exactly venturing out on a <laughs> flimsy limb here. And then, uh, you know, a couple sleepers. Yeah. Uh, our good old LIV uh, golf, loudmouth Sergio, crybaby. And, uh, <laughs> I'd throw him in there. I think he's still got some decent golf. I mean, he's he's kind of an out-of-nowhere kind of pick. And uh, fifth one, yeah, how about Spieth? He's a very resourceful golfer. He makes a lot of putts. And if the wind starts blowing, and very may, that may very well happen. He, he, he would find himself with a distinct advantage over the field in terms of his ability to hold putts. And since his ball's going crooked anyway, the wind doesn't really hurt him as much as it does the uh, straight hitters. So... No, I just think Spieth could easily be be around deep into Sunday. Was the RNA being petty by telling Norman he can't have dinner with the guys? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I hear what they're saying, but I'm not buying. Come on, fellas. <laughs> Come on. The man won your tournament twice. I know he smells like poop. I know he's got, he said stupid things. I know he's posing even when he's asleep, but, but, but. Come on, the man won two Claret jugs. You gotta gotta let the man in for some pork chops and some some Putin, some Putin. Christ's sake! Oh. Seriously, I love the Hawk, John Hawkins, the Morning Read, courtesy of Sports Illustrated. Thank you, Hawk. Thank you, partner. Thanks for doing it again. You got it, partner. Talk to you soon. Take care. Hey, it's time for a visit from Jordan Flowers, who leads the cross country mortgage team. In Kirkland. How are you, Jay Flo? Hey, Mitch. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. It's been a while. Yes, Good to be it back. Has. It's nice to have you back with numbers skyrocketing. How can Jay Flo and his great Kirkland team help Mitch unfiltered listeners? these days? Yeah, it's a great question. And one we're getting from clients also rates have been going up pretty sharply over the last couple of months, but we have started to see it level out rates actually kind of tick back down slightly. It is a great time for buyers to be buying even with the higher interest rates. It's actually providing a bit of an opportunity for buyers to not get into quite as many multiple offer competitive situations and wonderful time to be buying and getting that house you want and not getting in such competition 
decision and then just take care of it with a refinance with rates when they come back down. Jordan, tell me a little bit about buying rental properties and other unique programs that you guys offer at Cross Country Mortgage. Yeah, we are actually doing a lot with investment buyers right now, one to four unit properties. But we do also have a unique service coverage ratio program that allows you to not provide any income qualifying documents. We qualify off of the income the property itself produces. So we're just evaluating the collateral piece and if it's going to be a good investment for you. So Jordan, even with the numbers a little higher these days, you're still helping refinance clients pull cash out for various reasons. Yeah, yeah. Those rate term refinances that were just clogging up the system a year ago have mostly subsided here, but we are helping a lot of clients with cash out refinances, equity refinances to pay off higher interest rate debt, as well as pull that cash to buy that second home or investment property that they want to do and put that money they've earned in their house to work on more real estate and helping people build more wealth. So how do I reach you? If a Mitch Unfiltered listener has questions about what they just heard, Where do we find Jordan Flowers? Yeah, same bat line, same bat channel, 425-890-2957. There you go, Jordan Flowers in Cross Country Mortgage, the Kirkland office. He's been an incredible partner. Mitch Unfiltered would not be possible without guys like Jordan Flowers. Unfiltered. Episode 198, Other Stuff segment. Don't forget, British Open Pool, Fireside Home Solutions. Make sure you pick your five players. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com. It'll get you to run my pools. Thank you, Bill Sanders. Yes. Thank you, thank you, Bill Sanders. We love you. RunMyPools.com. British Open Pool, pick five players. And top finisher, 500 bucks. Top 20 finishers all get a prize. Okay? And don't wait till the last minute for no, God's not sakes. No, not with the British not Open. The, yeah, no, it's going to no. start Wednesday night. That's You're going right. to get up on Thursday morning. It's going to be too late. <laughs> it's gonna be too and late. I'm not going to have any mercy on you. <laughs> no, no, no. It's no. all time stamped. Yes. All right. I got a bunch of little ones. I don't know if any of them are all that interesting. There's some some good ones. Congratulations to Novak Djokovic okay. and Elena Rybakina. Do you know who that? what they did over the weekend? Was it Wimbledon? They won Wimbledon. There's a reason I know that. And I'll tell you later. Oh, yeah. But tell me reason- late, later as in later in the show or later after we're finished doing the show? Uh, no, I'll probably tell you right now, actually. Oh, tell me. There's a uh, did you know that Wimbledon now has a, a prayer slash quiet room that they have on? No. On campus, so to speak, at no. whatever that club is called. No. OK, well, I have a joke whatever for you later the, about it. Whatever the club is called. Yeah, the, the, it's the, the England club or something. Wimbledon. Well, no, no, that's, that's all tennis or something. Yeah, I got you. Okay, so you don't know either. No, I got you. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that I think it's the all you're going to make fun of me, except for you don't know as well, except for that part. Okay, yes, I'll uh, tell you about it later. So, congratulations to them, Greg Norman. Did you hear the Greg Norman news? I told you I just fell in love with Greg Norman watching that thirty for thirty, and I was thinking, God, if there's some way he could just get no. the Masters again, no. But then you hear this, and you're like, Jesus, maybe. Well, there's is. everything about live golf. Yeah. Then he said, since the British Open's playing at at St Andrews, I'd like to get a special exemption. And actually play at age whatever it was. How, how did that go? They said no. He said, <laughs> yeah. all right, all right. I won't play. I'll just come to the champion's dinner. I won it two times. And they said, no. Yeah, we'll pass. <laughs> no. God. I was like rooting for the guy after the third. I felt so badly for him. I was watching his career and how the Masters chokes and all that. And then, yeah, he's not making it easy to, no. to root for the guy. I guess that's how he's been his whole career. I saw a video of Dwayne Brown, the former left tackle of the Seattle Seahawks, getting arrested at LAX. I have it, Los yes, Angeles International story. Airport. Yeah, I'm shocked the cuffs fit him. They must have had to put two pairs together. He's enormous. Unloaded gun in his luggage at the security screening, which... The how two- did you think that was going to go? Well, like- this is what I'm saying. <laughs> 
I get to every time I take a trip, I get to about third from the front where I got to go through the thing. Yeah. And I start getting nervous of that my watch is going to make but the thing go off. I have an I'm iPad in my backpack that I didn't pull out, and now I'm, I'm scared to Am death. Am I going to jail because my watch is metal? <laughs> right. This guy's got a gun in his in his pocket. Right. I, they, they treat Did you he like, never think, like, hey, that might go off. The thing might go beep, 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 beep. You might have to walk through again. I know. It's like... Uh, I act like I'm running guns to Cuba or something, right? Like I'm, I'm so paranoid Look, when I get up there for an iPad. I don't mean to take shots at Dwayne Brown. I'm sure he's a hell of a nice guy. He probably guy. deserves it for bringing a, a little gun. Bit, come on, come man. on. Right. God. I know. Silly. Did he have to do this routine? <laughs> you know, it's great when you have a, a child under 18. You don't have to do that. You get to cut right. Tell everybody what game. I'm doing. What no, I you doing? got the hands up and then the thing spins around. Well, you. because you, yeah, because the, you go in and they have the diagram of the person, what you're supposed to do. Yeah, sure. And I, I'm telling you, I do the best imitation and I don't move. <laughs> you do it by the book. I don't huh? buy the book. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then my last one, uh, at least for now, the, the Seahawks and Blazers are not for sale. Okay. Says Jody Allen. She's finally spoken Sister of the late Paul Allen. Sure, yeah. There's been a lot of rumors, a lot of speculation, a lot of rumblings that the Seahawks and or Blazers could be sold any moment now by the time we finish this podcast. But she said, to put an end to all the speculation. Yes, they will be sold because that, were, that was what Paul wanted. Yeah. His estate demands that we liquidate the Blazers and Seahawks but this is a very complicated thing, and it could be years and years and years and years. So stop. Right. Stop the talking. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, a guy like Jeff Bezos, do you think he gets a deal if he buys both? If he calls her and says, I'll take both of them. <laughs> two for one? Two is that for what one. you're wondering? Well, no, I don't think he would want two for one, but he would say, okay, if the if the Blazers are worth three, yeah. three and a half, and let's see, the Broncos got, what, 4.6 maybe by the time? Maybe the Seahawks are worth four or five. Let's say they're worth five. Yeah. Five and three and a half. It's eight and a half. I'll give you seven, seven, five for both. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> and then he yanks the Blazers out of Portland and brings them to Seattle. And then the Blazers fans can feel what uh... we felt for the last 15 years, whatever it's been. That would be awesome. Yes. Go ahead, Hotch. What a what nice what a nice brother. By, by the way, way, you have not updated us. Yes. On Piper. My weight. No. Well. <laughs> the stuff that's on your teeth. Are we are we back to chewing? We're not back no, to no, chewing. No, it's the white stuff. It's the lozenge. No, but it looks black. There's no black stuff. Oh, no black stuff. It's white. It's okay. the lozenge. All right. I hope there's not. You haven't updated us on Piper. At, at last Sunday, when we recorded episode 197, they had one district, right? By then? Yes, they had one district. Yeah, okay, they won so district now, nine. Yes. Now they started the state tournament. You've, you've told us that you're, you're very, very bullish on the idea of them going all the way to the Little League World Series of Softball. I said I wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And you also made a, a, a cocky claim at the end of 97. You're like, yeah. I don't know who's on District I 1. I don't, yes. But they're in trouble. All I know, I don't know anything about District 1. I just know District 1's in trouble. And 5-1? 5-1. But they got no hit, so, you know. No hitter, 5-1. They, they were in trouble, yes. 5-1, no hitter. Yep. And then the second game? 15 nothing after th four, I think. 15 nothing, no Mercy. hitter. Yeah, another no-hitter. Yeah. So different Piper's team has not allowed a hit in the state tournament yet through two games. That is correct. They play again Monday. I may be going to North Carolina. You might be. We're starting to sweat it out. Can I come to Des Moines and trade it in? <laughs> now, what if <clears throat> what if Balmer gives us the private jet to go to North Carolina? Then that would be awesome. Who? Your buddy. Maybe <laughs> that, that thing I was thinking about. That thing, Where does that come from? It's collecting dust. I was thinking about it on the way to it. It's collecting not, dust? Well, it's not the NBA season. I think he flies commercial. I don't think he's got a private plane. Right. I'm sure. I think he flies. Yes. You know, 
Not even first class. I'm sure he's doing Maybe this business, move in business the, economy. Yeah, right. He steps up to business economy four extra know. inches. Yes. I don't know. How did he get thrown into the mix on this? Um, yeah, so they're 2-0. and Yes. How many do they have to win to win the state? Five. Have they already beat the best team? Does the, the team they beat 5-1, are they already beat the second best team? Or is there somebody else? Have you done any scouting, watched any teams from like Spokane or anything? Yeah, Spokane. It's weird. Some of the teams just didn't send a, a representative. There's oh. 13 districts and 10 teams showed. 10 teams showed. Because they know. Piper's team's too good. I think so. I think so, yes. So no, this but- is going to be a walk? A real walk I mean, through I state? I don't want to say that because I'm sure they'll have to play the team they beat 5-1 again yeah. that they know hit. And can you explain for like the 16th time yeah. why they've split after this the uh, the regions? The, the, the No, I'm joking. Oh, yeah. That, that's that's why I wouldn't be surprised. The, the Northwest California region. California teams. You don't have to worry about California teams. It's like meant to be. The stars are aligning <laughs> for the first time. Where so, in North Carolina am I going? Well, you got to go to San Bernardino first. Oh, I'm not going to San Bernardino. No, you're not, but the team does. Okay, but where in North Carolina am I going? Greenville. I don't know where that is. Yeah. Greenville, North Carolina? Yeah. Or Greenville, South Carolina? North Carolina. There might be a Greenville in South Carolina, I think too. it's Greenville, North Carolina. Yeah. I think. Okay. So if they win state, they go to San Bernardino on the Little League's dime, I was told. And then, oh, really? Yeah. And then if they win that, then but they you go. don't go on the little league's dime. I don't know how it works. Oh. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. What other stuff do you have? A trophy hunter. You like those guys? The trophy hunters that kill giraffes and no. and uh, elephants. No, I have no time for that. You don't. You don't like those guys? No. Well, this guy. He was 55. He ran the company Pro Hunt Africa. He was found dead near his vehicle in an execution-style killing in Limpopo, an area for, known for its wild lives reserved. It's, it's believed he pulled over to the side of the road when his truck overheated. According to witnesses, a white Nissan truck pulled up right next to him, mm. killed the guy. The same way the he story. kills animals. I would have liked the story if it was like a giraffe. and a. <laughs> Remember Crocodile Dundee where he had the fake deer with the gun? Yeah. So police found two hunting rifles, ammunition, clothes, water, whiskey... And pajamas. I suppose I should feel badly. That's that's the thing. But I don't. I mean, I do. I do. I don't want anybody dying. Uh, I I know. Why do people? I like like when I'm flipping around. I'll never watch a fishing show. But if I'm flipping around and there's a fishing show on, and I happen to just be look up, yeah, and they catch a fish, and then they throw it back in, you're happy. I feel good. Yeah. Even though it's got a big hole in the yeah, roof of its mouth. Yeah, and it yeah. wasn't a, it wasn't a good five minutes. And it, it didn't. Yeah, it, it's flopping it's around. Like going it to can't the dentist, breathe. It didn't. It didn't. It's not comfortable. No, it doesn't want any of that. No. A wild brawl aboard the Carnival Cruise Magic. The Carnival Magic cruise ship was the result of cheating passengers. A witness who was also on the cruise told Fox News the fight involved dozens of passengers. This fight went on for like. An hour. Now, the travel agent who saw it, she said it started around 2 a.m. at a dance club. Now, the reason why they started fighting is awesome. She said some of the passengers had allegedly engaged in a threesome while on board, enraging their partners. And around 60 people were involved in this fight on a cruise ship, lasting an hour. Security calmed the situation down. They had to call in the Coast Guard to help escort the ship to shore, according to the New York Post. The ship arrived Tuesday morning with New York police waiting to... Put some people in cuffs, but cruise ships. I know people swear by cruises. Not me. I've never been on one. I've been on one. Yeah. Never, ever, ever again. See? Ever, ever again. And then you see like the videos of the, like the sewage leaking on the carpet. God, I had a patch behind my ear. I had the dream. What does that mean? Oh, because. Oh. Do you feel it on cruise ships? Oh, God. The whole family was sick. Really? Yeah. My dad was sick. I mean, this is 40 years, 35 years. South Florida, you still get seasick? No, we we went out of New York to Bermuda. You were born and raised in South Florida. You get seasick? Oh, I get seasick. But you like boats. 
I do, but I, yeah, no. Not as bad as your uncle or whatever that guy's name was. I was Uncle Mike. I was on, I was seasick with him. All right. Two teens were arrested for allegedly shoplifting underwear and pulling a gun on a security guard, according to local media. The underwear theft happened shortly before 5 p.m. Where, you ask? At the South Hill Mall in Puyallup, Washington. Where? You're yes. kidding. Yes. Customers uh, pointed Jesus. officers in the direction of the underwear bandits. An officer in an unmarked police car located the duo near Red Robin on 9th Street Southwest in you, Puyallup. You clearly know who the wife of Dwayne Wade is, do you not? I should. Yes. Yeah, I know who she is. Come on. Sure. Give me her first name. Nah, I'll give it away. Well, yeah. But Gabby. I- Gabrielle. Yeah. No? No, I I, I told doesn't you know ring who she a is. doesn't ring a bell? Gabrielle Union? Union, yeah, I knew the that. Actress? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, she admitted on uh on a show with Jimmy Kimmel the other night <laughs> that she is a longtime fan of Miami strip clubs. Okay. Her husband is not, by the way. This goes back to before they were married. Jimmy Kimmel asks, how much is the most you've ever dropped in an evening at one of those places on his TV show? At which time Gabrielle Union said, want to guess? A grand? $20,000. She said, you don't really, this is a quote, you don't really think about it because the booze. And you just want to make sure, I said booze. I've said that a few times in my life. I didn't say boobs, I said booze. Gotcha, yes. And you just want to make sure all the ladies go home with a little something. She's kind. All right. She's kind. And then she went on to say about Dwayne, I think in the beginning, when we first started hanging out, I would see a lot of his teammates Mm. who shall remain nameless, she says. (laughs) But you know who you are. She looked into the camera. You know who you are. But he would be like, nah, I'm going home. So Dwayne Wade wasn't a big fan, but Gabrielle Union is. Didn't see that coming. the Miami scene. See, I'm, nope. I'm, I'm closer to Dwayne in that, in that aspect of yeah. the, those clubs. Yeah. And I'm hardly a prude, as you know. I just, that was just never, like, I have every other vice in the world. You want to gamble, you want to drink, you want to smoke, whatever you want to do, I'm in. For some reason, it felt weird spending money there. I don't know why, but I have friends who still love it. They, yeah. you know, I just, I never had Well, that, Gabrielle that Union vice. loves it. Yeah. That's she misses it a little bit, she 20, says. 20, geez. Yeah. I have maybe the greatest strip club story of all time that happened to my friend. Oh, and I, I I don't know if we can if we have time for it. It's the you're not going to believe this the story. Greatest you just you know better than to bill a story as the greatest story ever. When did you lose? Did you not ever follow the Mitch Levy? <laughs> I mean, the the fact that this happened to my friend that's a high bar. It's it's insane. Okay, go ahead. Do you really want to hear it? Do you have a short version or no? It's not a short story, but I'll do the best I can. He and like three other couples, married couples, went to Vegas. Okay, just. Couples, no big deal. We're going to hang out and have fun. One night, they decide to split up. Boys go one place. Girls go another place. We'll just have some fun. Of course, they end up at Cheetah's. You the know, boys do. The boys do, a strip club. And my friend's there till 4 or 5 a.m., you know, having a good time. And his wife's not uptight. She, she knows where they went. It's fine if you want to go. She, she knows who she married, right? Well, it's dark in there. And he ended up handing over his Amex to one of the dancers, who then swiped it three times for $2,500 a pop. So now we're at $7,500. Good math there, hotshot. That he has to go ahead and sign for on the way out of there. $7,500 he spent at a strip club that was on his Amex. Did he get anything for, I mean, did he get drinks or food or? Lap dances. So he gets home. He gets about home. He gets to the hotel room, hops in the shower. His wife hears he's home, wonders why he's so late, finds the receipt for $7,500 that he spent there. 
He gets out of the shower. He hears her on the other room and they had like a suite. She's on the phone with the airline trying to get an earlier ticket home. Because she's so mad. Not happy. So mad at him for spending $7,500 in his I got questions, club. but I don't want to, inter- I don't want to interrupt okay. the story, but there's so, there's so many unanswered questions here. Why did he just sign for it? Why did he go to management and say, I didn't spend this? Yes, management. They love giving money back at strip clubs. No, okay, but you hold saw, on. Just okay, let I'm me sorry, finish. I'm sorry. $7,500. I promise I wouldn't do it. He realizes he handed his work Amex, not his personal Amex. Oh. So now he just put that on the company dime. Oh. $7,500 at Cheetahs. <laughs> and his wife is trying to get an earlier flight home. He finally chills her out. Like, please just stay with me. She's mad at him, but she doesn't even know why. She's like... Okay, $7,500, either you're the dumbest guy in the world for only getting lap dances for that kind of money, or you, you, you just cheated on me. But if you, you should have got more for your money if you didn't cheat on me. Like, she doesn't know how to be mad at him. She's just furious. She goes, call him up. We're going down there. They're, they're going to reverse these charges. This is bullcrap. Oh, yeah. That's what he should have done in the first place. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Vegas or a strip club. They're not in the habit of handing people... $7,500 back. Come on. I mean, if, they, if you didn't... Okay, now they're in a cab. It's like 6 a.m., Right, because he just he got him home. and his wife. Him and his wife are in a cab heading to Cheetahs. His head's pounding. The sun's coming up. He's like, "What the hell? What am I doing?" No talking all the way right there. They 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 called the guy before and said, "We're going to come down. We have some questions about some charges." He said, "Fine, come on down." He was actually being very nice about it. Of course he was. So they show up and they say, "Hey, we're here to talk to so and so." The guy comes out with a DVD and a notebook full of screenshots of him and his friends that he pulled off the security camera. So, and then the DVD had like the, the two hours that they were in this room partying. So now you can watch that DVD with your wife and the manager to determine if in fact, oh my God. you need to be charged that much. Is that what you want to do? The manager was like, I have it right here. If you'd like to, if you guys want to come, come watch it, come watch it with me. We can decide if the charges are, are you going to sit there and watch you at a strip club for three hours with your wife right next to you? My friend just said, forget it. And so him and his wife left. And, and he so now he's got to run to the bank and he's got to transfer money to pay off this the work to pay off the work amex but guy. it sounds like he got ripped off of course he got ripped off you ever been to a strip club they don't give a crap they just see some guy with an amex swipe 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 seventy five hundred dollars and now i'm i'm supposed to talk about ucla athletics <laughs> and, and big debt before they moved to the big 10 100, 102.8 million dollars in debt ucla was Oh, okay. they gave their credit card, their Amex right. to Larry Scott. Three swipes, one hundred and two point eight million. That's one of the reasons they went to the Big Ten. They were one hundred and two point eight million dollars in debt over three fiscal years. They told the L.A. Times, Phil Knight. Wait, how are they not making money? I mean, I, you probably don't have the answers, but I'm just thinking like because the payouts from the big from the Pac-12 that Larry Scott promised were not what they were, and they were spending a lot of money okay. on sports. They were promised. Okay, gotcha. I don't, I don't know the answer. Yeah, it seems like a... I mean, Phil Knight wants Oregon into the Big Ten. No surprise there. <laughs> okay. But there's some uh, rumblings that if Notre Dame goes to the Big Ten, that somehow the Oregon Ducks would end up in the SEC. Hmm. Which is crazy. Yeah, it's weird. Oregon and the SEC. I think Oregon and the Big Ten is tough, but Oregon and the SEC? That's weird. The Southeastern Conference? Right. <laughs> it ain't the Northwestern Conference. The Grambling State University Athletics Department announced on Tuesday Hotshot that the termination of volleyball coach Chelsea Lucas. Okay. Why did they fire? There could be a litany of reasons why they'd fire the uh, volleyball coach Chelsea Lucas. Would you like to take a guess at why? What he did wrong? 
Spending money. Well, I guess maybe it's a she. Chelsea yeah, Lucas. Know. Maybe it's a she. Spending money on the company car that you're not no. supposed to. Three I have swipes. no clue. Oh, God. This coach, I think it's a he, cut every player and revoked every scholarship. <laughs> what? After the season, he was so mad at how he ended. <laughs> he cut every player on the team and took every scholarship away. He had no players left. What? Did he, he had a couple of players that were literally conference player of the year. Cut them. <laughs> cut them and took their scholarships away. Well, I'm not kidding you. How do you think that was going to go? I, I don't know. I mean, you can't just fire or cut all your players. You, know, you got to have a team at some point. Did you ever see the motion picture Avatar Hot Shots? <laughs> I did. I, I never did. I was going to say, there's no way you no, saw it. No, Avatar 2 is coming. Ten years later? James Cameron. Familiar with him? He is... F- forewarning all of you okay. that like to complain about long movies. Oh, boy. He's telling you yeah. this is going to be a long movie. And he doesn't want to hear any bitching <laughs> and any moaning. He was quoted this week as saying, <laughs> okay, I don't want to hear any whining about the length when all you people sit and binge watch television for eight hours. I can almost write this part of the review. The agonizingly long three-hour movie. This James Cameron talking. Gosh. It's like, give me an effing break, he says. I've watched my kids sit down and do five one-hour episodes of TV shows in a row all the time. Yeah. Stop your bitching and moaning about long movies. James Cameron. But are people prepared to do that in a theater? People aren't binge-watching shows in a theater. You do that at home. You're comfy. You get up. I don't know. Talk to James Cameron. Why are you yeah. looking at me with this? Why are you bringing this to me? I don't have any. I'm just telling you what James Cameron said. He's been pretty don't successful. Don't put me in the middle of this. <laughs> He's been pretty... you, you and James Cameron. <laughs> He's been pretty want to be successful in the middle of the movie business. I'll, are you ready for him. a Frasier reboot? Hot shot. See, I couldn't do the first one. You? No. I couldn't do it. They were just sort of a, something annoying about both of them. We're in the final stages, quote, of the final script of the first episode of Frasier. And it looks pretty good, says... 67-year-old Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer. I've had a couple of runs through it, hmm. and I've cried, so you know I must be happy about it. Is this is the guy who played his dad passed away? I think he did, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. I can picture that guy. Does Kelsey good. need money? Is that what this is? I mean, you really is this, so. it, is this it for him? No, I don't think so. A, a Frasier reboot? Why not? Yeah, what's, I, I guess. what's he done lately? Well, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like yeah, maybe well, he needs I, the money. I don't mean he needs the money. He might need the fame. He might need to be out there yeah. again. Pretty successful show. You think Woody Harrelson's dying to sign back on? Uh, Woody Harrelson? Oh, no, he that wasn't. Was Cheers. Yeah, so no, right. I don't. This, <laughs> this is the sequel to Cheers. This is how much I know Not about Not a sequel, it. but a spinoff. Spinoff. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. No, I don't yeah. think he is. I don't know. I just couldn't do that show. I don't know. Who was on that show? Uh, people would are yelling at their car He had areas. a brother that was on the show that was yeah. very funny. The brother was funny. He was also in Sleepless in Seattle, the brother, if you yeah. remember. Yeah. The producer, the woman producer was, was pretty she, funny. She's a big name. Yeah. 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 I, anyway. I think I think I'm going to Where's that going to air? Like on a network or? Oh, I don't know. You're going to pass? Yeah, I think I'm going to pass. You pass on the first one. That's like asking me if I'm going to pass on Avatar 2. Yeah. <laughs> what are the chances I'm going to see Avatar 2? Literally. What 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 chance is greater? <laughs> okay. Me winning the lottery? Oh god. Or seeing Avatar 2. Yeah, the lottery by far and away. Why did you not see the first one? I mean, you had kids probably. I don't even know. What point. is it? I don't even know. Well, what is it? Watch it. Do you I want don't me to explain the whole movie to you? <laughs> no, I don't. I think it. it was like the highest grossing movie yes, of all time. Yes, it was. It's a good reason not to watch. At, at one point, yes. <laughs> Clearly, people didn't like it. All right, your buddy Vince McMahon, you're familiar with him, longtime chairman Very of WWE. Very well familiar with him, yeah. Agreed to pay $12 million in hush money to four different women over a 16-time period, according people to People that worked for him. 
Yes, the yeah. paper claims all the women were formally associated with the WWE. They all signed agreements with McMahon preventing them from discussing their relationship with the now 76-year-old billionaire. Is that a thing still? Is wrestling still a thing? Are people? I know that the uh, the uh, ultimate fighting is a big thing, but is yeah. the wrestling, is the make, make-believe stuff still a thing? Dusty Rhodes and how dare you call and the giant? Believe, but yes, no, it, it is of course. Yeah, people love it. There's oh, they still do it. It's still big. Yeah, I, I'm not into it. Doesn't I, feel like it's as big as it used to be. I WrestleMania, think, yeah, yeah. And Hulk Hogan. Well, they still have WrestleMania every okay. year. All right, I don't. But know. I, I think it ebbs and flows a bit. Okay. You know, it had the golden run with Hulkamania. Okay. Which I'm sure you didn't watch any of. No. And then if like 20 years later or 10 years later, they had like a Stone Cold and The Rock. Yeah. Like that whole crew. And then so yeah, yeah it ebbs and flows. I, okay. I don't watch it anymore myself. Okay. All right. We got some RIPs. This yes, is, I've got two. You got the former San Francisco 49er and Seattle Seahawks cornerback Jimmy Williams. No. Passed away at 43 years old. I don't remember Jimmy Williams. Or do I remember Jimmy Williams? I, no. I, I didn't really either. He, he started as a defensive back and return specialist at Vanderbilt where he played from 97 no. to 2000. All SEC cornerback. Who else you got? L.Q. Jones. Don't have him on Actor, versatile character actor with 160 credits to his name. I mean, pick a show in the 80s and he was on it, right? Chips, Frazier. Co- <laughs> 80s. Chips, Columbo, The Runaways, oh. Incredible Horror. Oh. But he's, Those were good shows. Now. People listening will, will probably remember him from this movie. He was in Casino, Scorsese's Casino. Saw it. Are you a fan of that movie? Sharon Stone? He is not Sharon Stone. No, no. Sharon Stone was in it? She was, yes. yes, yes, yes. He, he played it. County Commissioner Pat Webb. He had a small role. God. Nah, I can't remember. Now, De Niro's in his office, and uh, County Commissioner Pat Webb you, comes in really? to talk about De Niro firing his dipshit brother-in-law. He's trying to get his brother-in-law's job back. I see. De Niro can't do it because the guy's like, he's an idiot. He, he can't do it. And that's when, that's when uh, he says... Are you certain you want the gaming control board eyeballing your record and your gangster pals like Nikki Santoro? I think you're way out of line talking to me like that. You don't remember that scene? No. I don't don't remember. I I know I saw it, but I don't remember. So good. Anyway, he was 94 years old. But there's another um, actor from the same genre that passed away. There's two. Okay, go ahead. Tony Sirico? That's what I had on my list. Paulie Walnuts? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who that is, but I know that that, uh, it was the show on HBO, right? Sopranos. Yeah, I never saw that. Yeah, he was... People's favorite. Character. I was going to see that after I saw Avatar. <laughs> it's weird you haven't seen that one. What, Sopranos? Sopranos? I mean, never saw one. Yeah. So Paulie Walnuts, one of the all-time great characters. He was in a bunch of gangster movies. Like he was in Goodfellas, Mighty Aphrodite, Gotti, Copland, Mickey Blue Eyes. He was seventy-nine years old. What about James Caan? Oh yes, yes, Mr. Godfather. Yes, right? I don't know why I didn't put that on my list. Yes, not just Mr. Godfather. Oh, I know. I, I know the one that, that you're a thinking of. A lot of movies. What's the one you're thinking of? Brian Song. There you go. Yes. Yeah, he was also an elf, the Christmas movie with Brian Piccolo, the life story of Brian Piccolo and his relationship with Gail Sayers. Now, ask me if I saw that Avatar, man. <laughs> I have not seen Brian. Ask me if I cross. You have not seen Brian. I haven't seen it. You have not seen Brian song and you're doing Mitch unfiltered. How dare you? I know. Really? I have you seen, seen something for Joey. No. But John Capaletti's brother. I haven't. I don't even know what that is. Something for Joey. Do you know who played um, Gail Sayers and Brian Song with James Con- James Con was Brian Piccolo? You know it's a true story, right? Yeah, I do okay. know that. You, well, you've you've told me about it before. You, you, you've not seen it. I don't like ones where I'm Gail Sayers, my heartstrings and all that. I don't Billy do that. D. Williams. Yeah, Billy. That's right. Yes, from Star Wars fame or Empire Strikes oh, Back fame. I yeah. don't think I can see. I, I don't think I can continue. Have you seen The Godfather at least? No. Come on, not you're, you're, you're just saying that to. to no, be I have difficult. not seen The Godfather. But I tell you what, I did. I think seeing it, it scarred me for life. Didn't he have his didn't he have his feet hammered off by like Kathy Bates? 
He, she took a sledgehammer to his ankles. Yes. Okay. And like, I think that was him. Yeah. Yeah. James Caan. I think he was. Misery? Was Misery, it called yeah. Misery? Where he, he played the author and she kidnapped him. He was lying him. on the bed. All oh, I can remember is I he's lying. I can't forget that scene. <laughs> oh. oh. Sledgehammer to the ankles. Yeah. yeah. One after the other. One shot wasn't enough. She was having a lot of fun with it. I don't understand. <laughs> he was also in something called The Godfather and Godfather 2 where yeah, he played yeah. Sonny Corleone. Yeah. He was also in those. That, but How'd be, they end up doing? Yeah. Be, before The Godfather. I might have Brian seen song. the original Godfather, but it may be before my time. He was the son of Jewish immigrants from Germany. His dad was a butcher. He was born in the How Bronx. How old was he? 82. Uh. And he played football at Michigan State University. Who knew that, right? Really? And when you see him in The Godfather, he's got kind of broad shoulders. He, he's like the tough guy. He's sunny. He's the, the yeah, hothead. He can't yeah. be the head of the family because he's in a temperament. So we lost him. James Caan and we lost... And Polly uh, Walnuts in the same week. And then we lost a couple weeks ago... Uh, oh, yeah. Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta. Yep. A lot of, lot of actors from that kind of genre of film. Yeah, right? at the same time. How about yeah. Hank Goldberg? Do you know who Hank Goldberg is? Hank Goldberg. Hank Goldberg died this week. Who's that? He was one of my favorites growing up. He was kind of a Miami legend. Okay. He was on ESPN. He would uh, do football picks. Oh, yeah. That sounds Can you familiar. picture yeah, Hank yeah, Goldberg? Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was on ESPN for a while. He really was uh, very prominent in the Miami sports scene for many, many... In fact, I read an article and I had forgotten this. I did know this once, but I had forgotten it. You know who he took over for? Mm -mm. I may be wrong about this. <laughs> I got it wrong. Uh, check that. He's just paralyzed. Larry King. Oh, really? Yeah. Larry King. Oh. Hello. Fort Lauderdale. Familiar. Hello. Yes, familiar with him. Pembroke Pines. Hello. Um, <laughs> Hank Goldberg passed away. How old was he? Must have been, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but must have been 80 in his 80s. Okay. Probably in his 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really. My father loved watching him. He was kind of, he was kind of Mr. Miami. He was like, okay. He was like this cartoon character, rough, kind of rough and tumble guy. He at one time did the sports on CBS at 11, 11 o'clock news, 6 o'clock news. He did that for a bunch of years. Then he became on the he was on the Dolphins broadcast when Marino was playing. Okay. He was like the color commentator on the Dolphins broadcast. Was he a little and gruff? Went, yeah, gruff. Yeah, kind of round. Yeah. Round and gruff. And he'd do him. picks and he'd yeah, yeah. talk about horse races. <laughs> Love it. Hank Goldberg yeah. passed away. Sorry. I remember him. Rest Sorry, in peace. Rest in peace. And then the last one I have, I don't have it in front of me. I just remember Oprah Winfrey's father passed away. Oh, Jesus. I thought you scared me there for a second. <laughs> 88 years old, Mr. Winfrey. Well, he's probably a little scared. How's Stedman yeah. doing? Yeah. What a life. Oh, I'm jealous of that life. You are? Of course. What is, has he had a job in the past 30 years? No. Oh, it's good to be stabbing. All right, I got some headlines. You ready? Yes. A man is facing a felony battery charge. I'm ready. For allegedly striking a cop with a thrown hot dog, according to court, court records. He, he owned a hot dog cart, and he got mad at a cop who said, you don't have a permit, and he threw it at the cop. He got arrested for it. Sadly, not the last life that'll be forever changed by an errant wiener. I thought you might go Joey Chestnut, but go ahead. Yeah, it's not little, bad. Not a little easy. Some Wimbledon spectators have been using the new prayer rooms I talked to you about at the yes. All England Club, it's called, for non-prayer related England reasons, including drugs, boozing, and some X-rated canoodling has been going on in these quiet slash prayer rooms. Coincidentally, the best-selling food item this year, strawberries hold the cream. Just to be safe. A South Jersey man... Let me ring the bell before oh, you go to the next one. Go a ahead. South Jersey man allegedly went on a nude crime spree after carjacking a teenager, authorities said. Yes. The teen was quoted as saying, next thing I know, my car door opened and some naked guy bum-rushed me. <laughs> a, a jury... A jury in Oregon bum awarded... Bum-rushed me. Yeah, that's right. A jury in Oregon awarded roughly $1.7 in damages to a woman who claimed a local community college used her past work 
in pornographic films. Saw this story. As a means to discriminate against her and ultimately yeah. force her Saw out of the story. school's com- real story. competitive nursing program. Real story. Everyone I do is real. Apparently, the school didn't like the advantage the student had, already having a thorough understanding of human anatomy. <laughs> That's all I got. Go, Issy. I'm leaving. <laughs> when is the state championship game in Des Moines? I think I might be able to make that one. Really? You yeah, would go? Because, yeah, I'm trying to trying to build up some chips so I don't have to go to Des Moines. <laughs> You don't have to go. It's fine. You can no, no, no. I... Stream it on Game Changer. Uh, Friday. If stream they... it on Game Changer. I can watch it on ESPN. Not yet. I'm Were talking you... about the national championship one. Oh, oh, yeah. But I'm talking about the, the one Friday. No, you no. don't have to go to Des Moines. Why? You can stream I it I want to see the state championship game. So, if yes. If if they're in it, it would be Friday. Yeah. But if they lose Friday, it would be Saturday because they're double elimination. So, if, if they win three in a row, they're state champs on Friday. So Three go more from now. Three more starting on Monday. Yes, Monday, Tuesday, Friday. I will keep you posted. Good luck, Issy. Thank you. Episode. I'm feeling a little pressure. Why? Because this is 198. And everybody's asking, what are you going to do for 200? Oh. What are you going to do for 200? When was the last just, time you felt that's pressure? Just, that just. There was another one. That 150? I feel lots of pressure. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't. What, what. Ask me and if I feel pressure. And people are asking me, what are you going to do? Are you going to do something special for 200? Oh, God. I get emails. I get tweets. What are you doing for 200, Mitch? I'm like, I don't know. I don't have anything. Yeah. How about if we just do like a, a Zoom studio audience? Yeah, let's do it. And we let, uh, we do a stump the band, maybe a stump the band like we used to do it from the Zoom studio audience. And just record the whole thing and then throw that I up? I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's just a lot of. It is a lot of pressure. They're going to expect something. Do I need this? <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Episode 198 <laughs> is in the books. <laughs>